شهد الله أنه لا إله إلا هو والملائكة والملائكة وأولو العلم قائما بالقسط لا إله إلا هو العزيز الحكيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين إن شاء الله تعالى The kitab we'll be going through today or the manzuma shall we say is a manzuma famously known as a sunnah that's what the author himself called it but it's يعني, it's spread amongst the people today as ha'iyyat ibn Abi Dawud now this ha'iyyah and the reason why it's called ha'iyyah is because يعني, the abiyat end with a ha if you look at the abiyat you'll see that the abiyat in most of them they end with a so this was um, put together by Ibn Abi Dawood whose name was Abdullah Ibn Sulaiman Ibn Al-Ash'ath who was the son of Sahib Al-Sunan, Sunan Abi, Abi Dawood. Okay, so his father was Abu Dawood. He was the son of uh, Al-Imam Sulaiman Ibn Al-Ash'ath who is known as Abu Dawood. Now Abdullah Ibn Sulaiman Ibn Al-Ash'ath was a great, great scholar like his father. He was known for hadith, he was known for fiqh, he was known to be a, a hafid, uh, a person who has memorized many, many hadith. We won't go into too much detail because yani, there's a lot to cover. So we'll start from the beginning of the manduma. And this manduma, it's, yani, it's, it's very, very famous that this is a manduma that the, the, mu'all, the uh, Ibn Abi Dawud himself wrote. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Imam Al-Ajurri mentions this, his student Ibn Batta uh, in his Kitab Al-Ibana mentions this as, uh, as well. So, Imam Ibn Abi Dawood, he starts off the manduma by saying, تَمَسَّكْ بِحَبْلِ اللَّهِ وَاتَّبِعِ الْهُدَىٰ وَلَا تَكُ بِدْعِيًّا لَعَلَّكَ تُفْلِحُ وَالدِّنْ بِكِتَابِ اللَّهِ وَالسُّنَنِنِ اللَّتِي أَتَتْ عَنْ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ تَنْجُوْ وَتَرْبَحُ So, we'll give a brief translation. And then we'll uh, move on to it. And the way, inshallah, we'll be going through the kitab is it's going to be more of mentioning the qawaid that are related to these abiyat, yani the principles. Why? Because when it comes to talabul ilm, it's near impossible for you to learn every single mas'ala and learn what the hukum of that mas'ala is. So, what do the ulama do and the people of knowledge? They memorize principles. When it comes to fiqh, they memorize principles. When it comes to usul, they memorize principles. When it comes to lugha, they memorize principles. When it comes to hadith, it's the same thing. Tafsir, it's the same thing. What a principle does, it's an umbrella where many different ahkam come under it. So it can be applied to many different situations. Anytime, any place. If this principle is applicable. So inshallah ta'ala will be concentrating on the qawaid that are related to uh, aqidah that can be found in this poem. So he says, Tamasak bihabli Allah, hold on to the rope of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, wattabi'il huda and follow the guidance. Wala taku and do not be bid'iyan, a person of innovation, la'allaka, so that you may tuflihu, so that you may be successful. Waddin, yani take as a religion. Kitabillah, the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wasunanilati and the sunnah that's come. عن رسول الله from the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam تنجو you will be saved وتربحوا and you will profit so he starts off with 
tamassak bihablillah. What is hablullah? The habl of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the rope of Allah, when it comes to the tafsir of it in the Quran, wa'atasimu bihablillah jami'an wa la tafarraku. Hold on to the rope of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and do not split up. The Mufassirun, they've mentioned many, many different opinions. Now these opinions, they don't contradict each other. And it, يعني, it summarizes down to being the Qur'an. يعني, the habl of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the Qur'an and the wahi, the revelation. So he's saying, hold on to, on to the revelation. And follow the guidance. And follow the guidance. Hold on to it and follow it. Now, the first principle we'll take from this is, يَجِبُ عَلَى الْمُسْلِمِ it's obligatory upon a Muslim to follow the revelation. And it's not permissible for a Muslim to innovate. That's the first, first principle we'll take. And we'll go into bid'ah a little bit later, يعني, and the other part of debate. Now, how do we do al-ittiba'? How do we follow the guidance that's been revealed to the Prophet wasallam? As it was said in the Quran, follow that which has been revealed to you from your Lord. Number one is You obey Allah, you obey His Messenger and that which they have commanded you. Okay? This is how you follow the guidance that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to His Messenger. So take this down. Number one, you Fulfill the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You fulfill the commandments of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. وَاجْتِنَابُ مَا نَهَا عَنْهُ وَزَجَرُ You stay away from that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala prohibited. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam prohibited. Okay? وَتَصْدِيقُهُ فِيمَا أَخْبَرُ Okay, you, um, you believe in that which has been revealed. You believe in the ahkam. You believe in the stories. You believe that the things that are going to happen in the future that the Prophet ﷺ told you about. Okay, so you have to believe in that which is being revealed. And the last one is, You do not worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala except by that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has legislated. Those four things. Now, the Prophet ﷺ, when he legislates it, he's, based, he's legislating on behalf of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it's, it's basically the same thing. Because the Sunnah and the Quran are both, both considered to be revelation. So those four things. Number one, you fulfill the commandments. Number two, you stay away from the prohibitions. Number three, you believe in everything that has been revealed. Number four, you um, do not worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala except by that which has been revealed. Except by that which is in the Quran and that which is in the Sunnah, the way the Prophet Worshipped Allah and the way the Sahaba radiallahu anhum worshipped Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, the last part of the, of the, of the verse says al-huda. Al-huda means guidance. Now, when you come across the word huda in the Quran and the Sunnah, it can be understood in two ways. The first way is, the first type of hidayah, the first type of guidance is hidayatul tawfiq, shall we say. It's, the, it's a guidance where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives tawfiq to his servants. Allah guides that person to the truth. And when Allah guides a person to the truth, they cannot be misguided. Okay? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bestows guidance upon his servants and he guides them to the truth. 
So look, if we look in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّكَ لَا تَهْدِي مَنْ أَحْبَبْتِ Verily you do not guide that, the person that you love. And the guidance that's talked about here is the guidance of tawfiq. Why? Because all the Prophet ﷺ can do is explain. And that we're going to get to what type of guidance that is. But the one who actually guides you to the straight path and keeps you on the straight path is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why in the Quran, what do we in Surah Al-Fatiha, in Salah, what do we say? We say, Ihdina as-sirat al-mustaqim. Guide us to the straight path. And this is just a fa'idah. The hidayah in Surah Al-Fatiha that we ask for, the guidance we ask for in Surah Al-Fatiha, Number one is to be guided to the straight path. But some of you may ask, okay, if we are already Muslim, why are we still asking for guidance? Okay, some people may ask that. The second thing is, Al-Hidayatu Fissirat. Guidance while you're on this path. Why? Because you still haven't reached the end of it. You still haven't reached Allah, you haven't met Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Until you die, that's when you have reached the end of the path. So you're asking for you to still be guided until you meet Allah, until death comes to you. Okay, so let's go back to يعني, the second type of guidance. The first one is the hidayah, the guidance of tawfiq, and that's specific to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The second type of guidance is hidayah to dalalati wal irshad. It's the guidance where you can show the person that this is the truth. Show them يعني, this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran, this is what the Prophet said. In the Sunnah, this is how the Sahaba radiallahu anhum understood it. Yeah, this is known as Hidayatu Dalalati wal Irshad. Okay? And verily you guide to the right path. And verily you, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, guide people. You direct them. You show them. Okay? This is the type of Hidayah that's been talked about in the Quran. So there's no, there's no contradiction between the two types of Guidance that are mentioned in the Quran. One is specific to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the other um, can be done by the creation. Where it's you, you show them the truth. Now, he says, And do not be a person of innovation. So that you may be successful. Now what is innovation? Innovation is the right? Everything that has been innovated into the religion. Anything that's been innovated into the religion. And we know innovations are not, it's not permissible for you to innovate into the religion. The Prophet said, Whoever innovates into the religion that which is not from it, it is rejected. Okay? It is rejected. So he's saying, Do not be a person of innovation so that you may be successful. Why? Because. It's obligatory upon a Muslim to follow the guidance. It's not, a, it's not permissible for a Muslim to innovate, to come up with their own things. Okay? That's very important. Now, bid'ah bid is two types. You have bid'atun amaliyya, you have innovation that is a innovation that is an action. Okay? It's an action. That's the first type of, of innovation. So I'll give you an example. Um, celebrating the mawlid of the Prophet the birthday of the Prophet people physically celebrate it now that's an innovation that's considered to be bid'atun amaliyya it's an innovation that is an action okay um, another example is if a person was to pray salatul dhuhr five raka'at and he says no this is from the deep this is something I added to it 
Because I feel like, you know, it gets me closer to Allah when I pray another rak'ah. This is bid'atun amaliyya. It's a bid'ah, an innovation that is an, an action. Okay? Now we have bid'atun that relates to belief. Al-i'tiqad. Yeah? Bid'atun that relates to, to belief. Al-i'tiqad. Now, an example of that type of innovation is to negate some of the sifat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To negate some of the attributes of Allah. To say, no, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only has a few attributes. He only has the attributes of life, of hearing, of seeing, of ability. Okay, this is a bid'atun that relates to belief. Or, um, do you believe that it's permissible to make dua to someone other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And you don't think that this is shirk. This is a bid'ah that relates to al-i'tiqad. I'tiqad belief. Now, both of these two types of bid'ah, they split up into two. Two other types. These two types are bid'atun mukaffara, a type of bid'ah that will take you outside the religion. Okay? And the second type is a bid'ah that won't take you outside of the religion. Alright? So you have, look, you have a bid'ah that is a action. This action can be an innovation that can take you outside of the religion. An example of that is making dua to other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? Yeah? Or you have or it's a one that relates to belief. Okay? Such as and yani we're talking about that can take you outside the religion. Such as if you believe that the Quran is created. And we're gonna get to that later on. If you believe that the Quran is created that is a belief that's considered to be kufr, disbelief. And it's a innovation. Prophet didn't believe this, nor did the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. Nor did the students of the Sahaba, or the students of the students of the Sahaba. Or anybody upon the aqeedah of Ahl-Sunnati wal-Jama'ah. Now, the second one is a bid'ah that we mentioned that doesn't take a person outside of Islam, outside the fold of Islam. So that can either be an action, as we've mentioned, such as... Um, praying six rak'at Yeah Praying six rak'at For dhuhr Saying if I feel like it gets me closer to Allah That's why I pray six rak'at Now, Or it can be something that relates to belief That may not necessarily take you outside The fold of Islam If so an example is um, If you believe that it is Permissible to celebrate uh, The mawlid of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Yeah and you use some, yani, um, some evidences that you feel like support your view, okay? Because there's no, yani, there's no act of disbelief in celebrating the, life, the, the birthday of the Prophet okay? So we have a bid'ah that's an action that can either take you outside the fold of Islam, or um, uh, we have a bid'ah that's an action that can take you outside the fold of Islam, or it won't take you outside the fold of Islam. We have a bid'ah that relates to i'tiqad. It can either take you outside the fold of Islam or it uh, won't take you outside the fold of Islam. So that's the aqsam, the different types of, of innovation. The one that doesn't take you outside the fold of Islam is that mufasiq. It's mufasiq, yeah. A person is considered to be a fasiq. Yani a, uh, a person who disobeys Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because a fasiq is man kharaja an ta'atillah. A person who has disobeyed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? Clear? Anyone يعني, want me to repeat it or anything? Any issues? طيب. Now he says, يعني, Take as your religion from the kitab of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
and the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam alati atat an rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam tanju you will be saved wa tarbahu and you will profit now let's before we get to the last part about being saved and, and, and you profiting let's take a principle from this the principle is it relates more to the sunnah why because you won't find any of the different groups of, uh, or people of innovation disputing on the uh, the Quran and how it can be used as evidence but you will see that when it comes to the hadith of the Prophet وسلم, they will pick and choose certain things so what is the aqeedah of Ahl-Sunnati wal-Jama'ah what is the aqeedah of the Sahaba عنهم, when it came to the sunnah of the Prophet يعني, how do we use the sunnah of the Prophet وسلم, when it comes to our religion we say that the sunnah is hujjatun right fil masail Okay, so the sunnah of the Prophet is an evidence in masail in issues that relates to actions, so physical ibadat, salah, hajj, zakah, okay, these physical acts of worship. Or aqadiyya, or issues that relate to belief. Issues that relate to the belief in Allah, the belief in the angels, belief in the messengers, belief in the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and in all of the other issues that relate to iman. Okay? And it doesn't matter whether it's mutawatir. What does mutawatir mean? Mutawatir means that it's been, it's been narrated by a large amount of people, okay? from another large amount of people, from another large amount of people, until it's reached us. And the amount of people that have narrated it, it's impossible for them to, to lie, because it's such a large number. And it's, it's news that's been spread everywhere, and then that news has been passed down. That's what mutawatir is. Okay? And it relates to something that's mushahad, something that has been seen, or something that has happened. Okay? So it's something that's widespread. So it doesn't matter whether the hadith is mutawatir, يعني, at that level where no one can deny its authenticity, or ahad. What does ahad mean? Ahad means it's, it's at a level where not as many people narrated it to that level. So let's say maybe there was 10, 15, 20 people, 15 people in the chain of narration, five people narrated it from them, another six people narrated it from them, until it got to the books of hadith that have been written. Okay? Now these ahadith, these ahadith, we can either authenticate them or say that they are not authentic. They are at a level where we can say they are authentic or, or not authentic. That's why they're called ahad. Alright? Yani they're at that level. They're not mutawatir. Mutawatir, no one disputes whether it's authentic or not. It has to be accepted. But ahadith that are ahad, ahadith that can be yani, disputed, are they authentic or not? Now, any hadith that's at that level and it's found to be authentic, it's an evidence in issues that relate to um, ibadat that are physical or issues that relate to aqeedah. Yani why am I putting such an emphasis on this? Why? Because you'll find many groups of innovation when it comes to this type of these yani, category of hadith, which makes up most of, of the hadith that you'll find in the books of, uh, of Kutub al-Sunnah, right? Or the other books of hadith. When it comes to these ahadith, they will put it aside when it comes to issues related to aqeedah. Why? Because they'll say it's not on the level of mutawatir. 
So there's a possibility it could not be true. There's a possibility it could be true. But if we look at the tariqah of the Sahaba, radiyallahu anhum, if we look at the life of the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, yeah, when he sent Mu'adh to Yemen, how many people, yani, Mu'adh, how many people went with him? Who was the one that went to Yemen to give da'wah? It was Mu'adh, right? Radiyallahu anhum. Now, Mu'adh transmitting, what's he transmitting? He's transmitting issues that relate to aqidah, yes? Right? He's transmitting issues that relate to ibadat. Him transmitting it to the people of Yemen is only one man. But yet the Prophet still sent him. Showing that for a hadith to be accepted, you don't need a great amount of people. You don't need 50, 60, 70 people to narrate it. You understand? This is, this is the tariqah of the Prophet This is the tariqah of the Sahaba Okay, so the sunnah, whether it's mutawatir, whether it's ahad, it's an evidence, it can be used as an evidence in issues that relate to physical acts of worship and issues that relate to ta'aqidah. This is very, very important. It's very important. Now, let's move on to tayyib. The last, the last thing I'll mention is, this relates to bid'ah. Yani, why is bid'ah, why is innovation seen as such a bad thing in, in Islam? I'll ask you guys. Why is bid'ah? Okay, that's that's yani, That's correct, but it's not the right answer I'm looking for. Okay, it changes the deen. But what does it يعني ماذا يستلزم? Okay, that's true. Okay, it relates to something like that. Exactly. That's number one. It insinuates that the deen is not complete. Why? The Prophet ﷺ, when did he die? He died after verse, a verse was revealed. The day that I have completed for you your religion. Okay? The religion, the Prophet ﷺ did not die until he fulfilled his mission. Okay, yani that's number one. Number, there's another reason. It goes against the main reason of Sharia. Okay, that's that's another that's another good reason. I didn't think that's a good reason. Yeah, it goes against yani the, the Sharia has been preserved, right? Allah has mentioned that it's been preserved. So if you come with something else, you're changing it. And okay, Allah I mentioned this. You adding something to the religion necessitates that. Either the Prophet knew it and he hid it from the people, or he didn't know it. Okay? Right? It necessitates that he either knew it and he hid it from the people, or he didn't know about it. And both of these things are impossible. Both of them are impossible. How could the Prophet be ignorant of it and you know it? No revelation comes down to anyone after the Prophets and Messengers. Understand? Okay. Let's move on. Okay, now the next one is the next abiyat. He says, "وَقُلْ غَيْرُ مَخْلُوقٍ كَلَامُ مَلِكِنَا بِذَلِكَ دَانَ الْأَتْقِيَاءُ وَأَفْصَحُ وَلَا تَكُفِ الْقُرْآنِ بِالْوَقْفِ قَائِلَ كَمَا قَالَ أَتْبَاعُنِ جَهْمٍ وَأَسْجَحُ وَلَا تَقُولِ الْقُرْآنَ وَلَا تَقُولِ الْقُرْآنَ خَلْقًا قَرَأْتُهُ فَإِنَّكَ لَمَا اللَّهِ بِالْلَّفْظِ يُضَحُ." Okay, now you see these th- these three abiyat. 
these three lines of poetry, they relate to the sifat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we're going to talk about now um, the attribute of speech. Then we're going to talk about the attribute of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala coming down to the last heaven. And we're going to talk about some other attributes such as the hand of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, and uh, seeing Allah on the day of judgment. Okay. Before we jump into this issue of the names and attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we need to know how did the Sahaba radiallahu anhum understand the speech of the Prophet and the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when it came to the names and attributes of Allah. How did the Sahaba understand it? Because that's the most important thing. If you go against how the Sahaba understood it, you're going down the wrong path. You want to try and find out how the Sahaba radiallahu anhum understood it. So, I'm going to يعني, simplify it. Number one, they affirmed the name. So, I'll give you an example. Um, or we'll, يعني, we'll, I'll give you an example and then we'll move on to the speech of Allah. Let's say Ar-Rahma, which is what? Ar-Rahman or Ar-Rahim. We say Ar-Rahman or Ar-Rahim, yeah? Ar-Rahman and Ar-Rahim are both names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Every name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala entails an, an attribute. Okay? Every name of Allah entails an attribute. So, the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, they affirmed the name. They affirmed the attribute. Okay? They affirmed the meaning of it as well. That's point number one. Yeah? They affirmed the name. They affirmed the attribute. They affirmed the meaning of it as well. Number two, they didn't compare it to the creation. They didn't say the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is like the mercy of the creation. They didn't do that. They didn't compare it to the mercy of the creation. So you don't compare any of the attributes of Allah to the attributes of, of the creation. Now, number three is they didn't delve into how exactly it was. The intricate details of these things. Right? They understood the meaning, they affirmed the name, the meaning, they didn't compare it to the creation. The last one is they didn't delve into how this specific attribute is in terms of the intricate details of it. Okay, and yani, this, this last one will become clearer when we, when we talk about the kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or when we talk about the nuzul of Allah, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala coming down to the lowest heaven. Yani, it'll become a lot clearer. So, that's how the Sahaba radiallahu anhum understood it. You will never see any of the Sahaba ruling out any of the names of the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? You will never see them saying that, no, we don't take the apparent meaning. We take a different meaning. Okay? Alright? Now, pay attention. Make sure you have understood these three issues. Why? Because these three issues, if you've understood it properly, you'll be able to pick out where the other deviant groups went wrong. Okay, now, um, another principle that relates to the, the names and the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We affirm that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has affirmed for himself, or the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa has affirmed for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, remember that's very important. Number two, we negate anything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has negated from himself, or the Prophet sallallahu has negated from him. Allah mentions, Allah negated the attribute of, of sleep and drowsiness. So we negate that. 
Allah affirmed that He is Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, Al-Alim, right? The most merciful, the most knowledgeable, Al-Qadir, the one who is able to do everything. We affirm that. Okay, everything that Allah and His Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam affirmed for Allah, we affirm it. Everything they negated, we negate it. Now, the, uh, another principle is Sifatullahi kulluha kamal, la naqsa All of the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are perfect. All of the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are perfect and there is no deficiency in it. There is no deficiency in it. Allah mentions وَلِلَّهِ الْأَسْمَاءُ الْحُسْنَى فَدْعُوهُ بِهَا To Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala belongs the most perfect names. Call upon Allah with these names. And we mentioned every name has an, an attribute. So if the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are, are the most perfect, then His attributes are, are the most perfect. Okay? Um, that the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are all perfect and there is no deficiency in any of the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala okay Allah mentions وَلِلَّهِ الْأَسْمَاءُ الْحُسْنَى فَدْعُوهُ بِهَا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has the most perfect of names so call Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by these names and every name has an attribute so if the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are the most perfect then the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are also the most the most perfect. Now, the next principle I'll mention, and I'll probably يعني, leave it at this until we move on to some, some other issues, um, is that يعني, What does this mean? Whatever you believe about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when it comes to the existence and the being of Allah, apply that to the attributes of Allah. Okay, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala exists, right? Allah exists. Now, the existence of Allah, is it like the existence of you? No, right? It's nothing like your existence. Okay, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a face. Okay? Apply exactly what you believe about the existence of Allah to the face of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you affirm it, Allah has a face. Yes, the face of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not like the face of His creation. You understand how important this principle is? Yeah? Okay? Yani, anybody have any issues with this? Tawadda. Could the evidence of this be Laysa Yeah, we're going to get to that. There is nothing like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he is the all-hearing, the all-seeing. So you see Allah says, لَيْسَ كَمِثْلِهِ شَيْءٍ There is nothing like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَهُوَ السَّمِيعَ الْبَصِيرِ He is the all-hearing, the all-seeing. None is like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his hearing. None is like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his seeing. Allah affirmed hearing and seeing for himself. And he also negated that no one, and he also mentioned that no one is, is like him. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, so I'm going to, rem- anybody want me to repeat the principle from the beginning? Okay, look. That which you believe about the being of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, apply that belief to the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yeah? You believe Allah exists? You believe the existence of Allah is not like your existence. Allah always existed. You came into existence. It's not the same. The same when it comes to the attributes of Allah. Allah has a face, Allah has a hand, Allah comes down to the lowest heaven. Allah hears, Allah sees. Alright? 
apply that where you believe that no one is like the being of Allah, the existence of Allah, apply that to the hearing of Allah, the seeing of Allah, the face of Allah, the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You understand it? Yeah? Okay. Now, let's move on to Sifatul Kalam, the speech of Allah. So he says, وَقُلْ غَيْرُ مَخْلُوقٍ كَلَامُ مَلِكِنَا And say, غَيْرُ مَخْلُوقٍ It's not created. كَلَامُ مَلِكِنَا The speech of our king. يعني Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the most sovereign. Al-Malik is one of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mentioned in the Quran, مَالِكِ يَوْمِ الدِّينَ مَلِكِ يَوْمِ الدِّينَ Okay? بِذَلِكَ دَانَ الْأَتْقِيَاءُ By that, دَانَ الْأَتْقِيَاءُ The people of Taqwa. يعني he's referring to the Salaf. The Sahaba رضي الله عنهم. They took this as a religion. وَأَفْصَحُ And they were apparent and clear about this. They didn't hide this belief. Okay, that the Qur'an is not created. وَلَا تَكُوا فِي الْقُرْآنِ بِالْوَقْفِ قَائِلًا We're going to get to this now. Because it's, it's, a, it's a different masala. We're going to get to the... Uh, we're going to have يعني, a specific masala related to it. So, what do, we, what do we take from this first يعني, line of poetry? Number one, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks. Okay? The Qur'an is the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's not created. It's not created. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the Qur'an, وَكَلَّمَ اللَّهُ مُوسَى تَكْلِيمًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spoke to Musa. Allah didn't يعني, say Allah spoke to Musa. Allah added تَكْلِيمًا يعني للتوكيد. تَكْلِيمًا A speaking. When that is added to the end of the word, it shows that this fi'l is haqiqa. It's impossible for it to be majaz. It's impossible for it to be a metaphor. It's the actual fi'l. The actual يعني, action of speaking happened. So Allah spoke to Musa alayhi salam. Okay, Allah spoke to Musa alayhi salam. This is, the, this is the, an evidence that shows that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks. Another evidence we'll mention from the Quran is أَلَا لَهُ الْخَلْقُ وَالْأَمْرُ Okay, take this down. أَلَا لَهُ الْخَلْقُ وَالْأَمْرُ To Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala belongs الخلق, the creation. وَالْأَمْرُ, the command. Okay? Allah, he differentiated between the two. Allah mentions to him belongs what? The creation. That's one. وَالْأَمْرُ And the command. Showing that the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is the speech of Allah, it's not like the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? Okay? They say, Al-Waw taqtadi al-Mughayra. When there's Waw, the asl in the sentence is that it shows that the thing before the Waw and the thing after the Waw are two different things. That's the asl. Okay? And we don't, that's the foundation. We don't move from that unless there's some type of evidence or qarina showing that that's, that's not what is intended in the speech. Now, um, let's move on to why, why do we say that the Quran is not created? And whoever says that the Quran is created, then that is disbelief. Okay, that is disbelief. Imam Ahmed had a son known as Abdullah. And Abdullah, he would write masail from Imam Ahmed. Right? He said, Samir to Abi Yaqul, Maqala, Maqala and Al Quran, Maqala and Al Quran, Makhluk, for who are kafir on Indana. Whoever says that the Qur'an is created, then he is a disbeliever with us. Okay? Now, I want you guys to answer this. What 
يعني how is it why is it considered to be disbelief if you say that the speech of Allah the Quran is created والله Excellent. You guys pick up on that. Yeah? The Quran is what? It's the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The speech of Allah, the speech of Allah is an attribute. Okay? The attributes of Allah, are they created or not? No. Why? Because the attribute takes the same ruling as the one it's being attributed to. So if Allah is not created, then the attributes, it's impossible for it to be created. You understand? So if you say that the speech of Allah is created, you're saying one of the attributes of Allah is created, subhanahu wa ta'ala, which then necessitates that Allah is created, and that is impossible. Okay? That is impossible, and that is disbelief. That is disbelief. Okay, now, um, any more masail? I had um, somebody saying that um, to argue this point of the Khalq al Quran, and they said that because the Quran was excellent masala. I think I actually was going to bring it up here. Okay, Muntaz, we'll mention it here. Actually, subhanAllah, I mentioned it here. طيب, Muntaz. Do you guys catch the, the, the question? Some people argue that the reason why we say the Quran is makhluq is because the Quran was, is in or was, uh, is in the lawh al-mahfuz, the preserved tablet. Okay? And the preserved tablet is created, which means that the Quran is created. You guys understand the, the issue at hand? Yeah? Now, what is the response to that? The response to that is. Yani we can respond in a few different ways But let's, let's talk about how the Qur'an was revealed And how the ulama do jam' between it being written in the lawh al-mahfud And it being revealed to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Now, what they say, as Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah in his Majmu'a al-Fatawa mentions That the Qur'an was written, yani in written format There's no issue with it being in written format Now look, let's say um, يعني, there's no issue with it, the Quran being mentioned or in written format. Okay? It was revealed in written format to the lowest heaven. Yeah? It was revealed to the lowest heaven. When events would happen in the life of the Prophet, وسلم, the Prophet وسلم, would I mean Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would speak the Quran to Jibreel. Jibreel would then carry that message to the Prophet. So the Qur'an was not spoken before the Prophet ﷺ was created, before the creation came into existence. The Qur'an was spoken at the time it was being revealed. You understand that? It was spoken at the time it was being revealed. Now, I mentioned another thing. Let's say um, one of the ikhwah yeah, starts speaking for about 10 minutes. And I write down everything that person is speaking. Yeah? Now someone comes across this, this notepad that I wrote of that يعني, of this brother that was speaking for about 10 minutes. Would anybody in their right mind say that this kalam here, this speech is, is created? يعني, because it's, um, some, it's, يعني, it's actual different creation. 
from the person that's actually speaking. Shay'un munfasilun anhu, tamamun. You understand? Yeah? Yani it's just because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spoke and we have the Quran written down, does not necessitate that it is, it is created. It doesn't, yani logically it doesn't make sense. Let's say if I write something you have, you have said now, will you say that yani your, your speech, even though your, your fi'l is considered to be created because you're, you're makhluq, right? But if we apply that to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is not makhluq, right? We would apply that, it's not created. You guys understand that, yeah? Okay? Now, there's no talazm, there's no necessity between it being written down and it being spoken for it to be created because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not created and the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are not created, okay? The last argument we'll mention is is the Qur'an the speech of Allah? Yani this person who's saying that the Qur'an is created is the Qur'an the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? If a person says no, then we say Allah himself mentioned in the Qur'an If one of the mushrikun they seek your protection, give him protection so that they can hear the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala So Allah mentions that it's the speech of Allah That's step number one Okay now, step number two Is the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala an attribute or not? If it is an attribute then the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are not created. So the person's argument is, is completely false. Yeah? طيب. We would prove it by saying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions himself that he speaks. Okay? So you have to prove to us that speaking is not an attribute. Yeah? Kalam is sifa, yeah. Yeah, like ulu. You understand? So you have to try and prove that speaking is not an attribute. So the thing, yani the, the issue is, 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 in your, is in your hands now. Yeah? Tayyip. Okay. Now, let's move on to um, the next line, which is وَلَا تَكُوا فِي الْقُرْآنِ بِالْوَقْفِ قَائِلًا كَمَا قَالَ أَتْبَعُ نِجَهْمٍ وَأَسْجَحُ Now, what is this issue? He says, and don't be when it comes to the Quran, fil Quran, A person who is who has no stance. Like those that were followers of Jahan bin Safwan said. And, and they, they were sympathetic to Jahan bin Safwan and then they ended up following him. What does this mean? When it came at the time of the Jahmiya, they there was a group that uh, that would not say that the Qur'an is makhluq and they would not say that the Qur'an is not makhluq. Okay, so if you were to say to them, okay, is the Qur'an created? They would say, okay, uh, they would say, I don't say the Qur'an is created and I don't say the Qur'an is not created. So what is, the, so what, is the, what do you believe the Qur'an is? You understand? That's why Imam Ahmed said, Al-Waqifatu Jahmiya. Those that hold this position, in reality, they're hiding something. Why? Because a person who believes that they're on the truth, they will say it. They have no, يعني, they won't be shy about telling you that يعني, this is what they believe, if they believe it's the haq. But those that are hiding something be, will be very vague about their stances. Especially with something that is considered to be a asl in the usul of Ahlul Sunnah, a asl from the principles of aqidah, which is something that relates to the names and the attributes of Allah. 
it's something that relates to the first pillar of Iman. Al-Imanu Billah. Right? Al-Imanu Billah. So if you don't have a, يعني, if you're, if you don't have a correct stance on this, then you need to go back to learning the correct aqidah. So Jahan bin Safwan, Jahan bin Safwan was a man known for um, spreading the aqidah of the Jahmiyyah, which is where they mentioned that the Quran is, is created. They mentioned the Quran is created. He was not the first one who came up with um, this aqidah. Many scholars say that he took it from Ja'ad, uh, Ja'ad bin Dirham, right? But the reason why it was attributed to Jahm Safwan is because Jahm Safwan is the one who, who spread, spread this belief, okay? And another thing I mentioned is, when it comes to the Aqeedah of Ahl Sunnah al Jama'ah, a person should not be shy about mentioning what they believe. If you ever come across a person who hides what they believe, and we're talking about the usul of, of the Aqeedah, and we're talking about Aqeedah generally, hides what they believe, and يعني, doesn't have a specific stance, then يعني, be aware of that person. That person is hiding something. So if you say to them, okay, um, where is Allah? And they say, I don't like to talk about that masala. I don't like to talk about that issue. يعني, what's, the, what's the problem? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned it in the Quran. The Prophet asked the jariah, Ain Allah. So why can't you talk about it? There's something else. And he maybe has an issue with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being above above the heavens. Okay, so pay attention to them. The next one is Okay. He says and don't say the Quran is a creation that I have recited. For the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in its words Yudahu, I think in, in some it mentions Yudah, right? In this nusqa I have it says Yudah. Yudahu, Yudah. It's very similar. Makes it clear. The words in the Quran make it clear that it's not created. Now, this is an issue where some would say, my recitation of the Quran is makhluq. Okay? Now, we're going to take a, an issue that relates to this, which is. Al-Alfaz Al-Mujmala Vague words Okay, vague um, Phrases, shall we say What is the Aqeedah of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah When it comes to words Or phrases That can entail A meaning that is Haq And a meaning that is Batil Yeah Because this speech, this يعني, statement My recitation of the Quran is created Entails a few things it entails, are you saying that which you are reciting is created? Or are you saying your, your mouth and your fi'l, your action of you doing something, your action of reciting is created? Right? They're two different, completely different, completely different things. This action of you doing something, your, your يعني, salt, your voice, that is created without no doubt. As for that which you are reciting, is not created. Why? Because it's not your speech. It's the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the speech of Allah is a attribute. And the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are not created. Why? Because Allah is not created. And the attributes of something that is not created is impossible for it to be created. Okay? 
So, what do we do when we come across these words? Al-Jiha, Wal-Hayyiz, Wal-A'rad. Okay? What the Ahl-Sunnah, what they do is, they don't affirm it straight away. Take this down. Okay? They don't affirm it straight away. They don't negate it straight away. They ask questions. What do you mean by this word? You understand? Yeah? So when it comes to these words that, ha- that can entail a meaning that is false or a meaning that is true, we don't affirm it straight away. We don't negate the meaning straight away. We ask questions. We ask, what do you mean? Okay? What do you mean by this, يعني, this word that you're saying? If the meaning is correct, we affirm the correct meaning. If the meaning is false, we reject the false meaning. I'll give you an example. Al-Jiha, direction. Yeah? Um, some of the, the Ashaira, they say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is laysa fi jihatin. Is not in a, any direction. Okay? Now, we say to them, what do you mean? We don't say, la, la, la. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in a direction. We don't say, no, no, Allah is not in a direction. Why? Because we don't know what they mean by this word, al-jiha, direction. We ask them, what do you mean? Do you mean that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not in a place where he is surrounded by the creation? Is this what you mean? If this is what you mean, then we say yes. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not within his creation. Why? Because Allah is not created. Allah is outside of his creation. So if this is what you're saying, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not in a specific place where creation, and he is surrounded by his creation, then we affirm that. But if you're saying that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not above the heavens and not above his arsh, then we say no. This is a false understanding of the ulu of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, of the highness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You understand? Yeah? Okay, so يعني, we ask questions. We don't accept it straight away. We don't reject it straight away. That's very, very important. Okay, another one is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not made up of parts. This is what they say. Now, this يعني, statement, Allah is not made up of parts, it can mean a few different things. It can mean that Allah is not made up of parts that are created. Yeah? Parts that are detached that can be detached from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Or it can mean that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not have a face, Allah does not have hands. You understand? Okay? Allah does not have uh, feet. So there's two different meanings. So what do we do in this instance? Yani what do we do? Ikhwan, what do we do? If someone says to you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not have parts. We ask the question. We say, what do you mean by parts? What's your understanding of parts? Yeah? If they give us the correct understanding, yeah, we say, okay, yes. We say Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not have parts, like they're saying. But if they say, no, Allah does not have a face, Allah does not have hands, Allah does not have feet, then we say, no, this is completely batil. The Sahaba didn't understand it like this, neither did the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Neither the students of the Sahaba, neither did the students of the students of the Sahaba, radiallahu anhu. Okay? We reject that meaning. Alright? Do we tell the person to stay away from these al-fadl mujmala? That's very good, yeah. We tell them to stay away from the al-fadl mujmala. These vague words. We tell them to stick with that which is mentioned in the Qur'an, 
that which is mentioned in the Sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Okay, now another another يعني, last principle I mentioned which relates to this issue of my recitation of the Quran is created. We say that al kalamu kalamu al bari wasautu sautu al qari. Okay, يعني, that the kalam is the speech of the speech is the speech يعني, the Quran is the speech of al bari Allah subhanahu wa taala. This is one of Allah's names subhanahu wa taala. The one who brings things into existence, Al Bari, yeah. Wasout as for the voice, wasout al Qari. It's for it's the voice of the person who is reciting. So there's a difference between the speech and there's a difference between the salt. Okay. So I'll give you an example. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I was about to say that. What's the name? Ahmed, so look, let's say Ahmed says something, yeah? And then I pass it on to your name, Amr, yeah? And I pass it on to Amr, yeah? I say, Ahmed said so and so to Amr. Will Amr come and say, um, Muhammad said so and so? Or will he say, Muhammad said, Ahmed said so and so? Right? He will say, I يعني, transmitted what he said. So the same when it comes to the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you say the speech of Allah and you recite the speech of Allah, you don't attribute it to yourself and who is created. You attribute it to the creator who is not created. Okay. Anyone have any, any issues before we move on? For you to say that it's created? Yeah, it's major kufr. It's major kufr. Why? Because who can explain why it's major kufr? Because by extension saying that the sifat of Allah that are created. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because the kalam of Allah, the speech of Allah, is a sifa. It's an attribute of Allah. Attributes take the same ruling of the one that they are being attributed to. So my attributes of hearing and seeing, uh, hearing and seeing, are created. Why? Because I'm created. As for the attribute of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala of he- hearing and seeing and speaking, Allah is not created. So we say. The, the hearing the hear, uh, the hearing and the seeing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not created the same for the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala okay tawadda all of the sifat of Allah that here there are other others that are not okay now this issue hakikatan i don't want to mention it because it, it might get a little bit yani too uh, advanced but the sifat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are different types you have sifat dhatiya sifat that are that are not detached from Allah That are not attached to the irada To his will And you have sifat al-ikhtiyariya Which are attached to the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And sometimes a sifa can be sifatun dhatiya bi'atibar Or sifatun ikhtiyariya bi'atibar Right? It can be dhatiya when you look at the asl of it And it can be ikhtiyariya Min hayt ta'alluqih تعلقها بالمخلوق right in terms of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala يرحم المخلوق الخلق and other other sifat that can be mentioned but I don't want to go into too much detail because it's it's a little bit of an advanced issue okay now this is the next issue yeah وقل يتجل الله للخلق جهرة كما البدر لا يخفى وربك أوضحوا
Alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala man la nabiya ba'da Now we're moving on to uh, the next abiyat And this talks about the ru'ya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala As we all know that we will see Allah And we hope to be from those that see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Okay, We hope to be from those that see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And blessed with entering Jannah So um, the Mu'al Nadim Rahimullah says, Wakulia Tajalla Lahuli Halki Jaharatan Kamal Badru Layakha, Warabuka, Odahu, Walaysa be Mauludin, Walaysa be Walidin, Walaysa Shibuhunta Al Musabahu. Okay. Let's talk about Mas'alatul Ru'ya first. Let's translate this line of poetry. So he says, Wakul and say, Yatajalla Allah, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will appear. Yatajalla will appear, yeah? للخلق, to the creation جهرةً, يعني an appearance that's clear okay كما البدر the same way that the بدر what is البدر البدر is يعني when the moon is considered to be the brightest so the 13th, the 14th and the 15th of the month they call it, they call the moon بدر يعني ليلة البدر it's considered to be when the moon is the brightest كما البدر لا يخفى the same way that that Clear, bright moon on the 13th and the 14th or the 15th of the month You can see it clearly لا يخفى, it's not hidden وربك and your Lord أوضحوا, is you, can see, you will see him even more clearer So This is taken from a hadith um, That was narrated by Abu Hurayt عنه, When the Prophet said إنكم سترون ربكم كما ترون القمر ليلة البدر Right? That you will see your Lord, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the same way you see that bright moon. Right? Okay? And يعني, there won't be any difficulty, any crowding in terms of looking and seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I'll give you an example. You know, let's say something is happening now, right? You go outside, something is happening in the middle of the street. Say if you're the back of the crowd, can you see what's going on? You can't, can you? But if you look, let's say if something was happening in the sky, how clear would you be able to see it? Would you have to push and shove to try and see? You wouldn't, would you? When it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you will look up because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is above us. And you will see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even clearer than you see the bright moon, right? On the 13th or the 14th or the 15th of the month when you look up at it, okay? So this is what the Mu'allif uh, is saying. Now, uh, this sifa of ar-ru'ya has been, يعني, this, I mean, this issue of seeing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has been mentioned in the Qur'an. Allah mentions wujuhun yawma idhin nadhira, nadhira ila rabbiha, nadhira. Okay, wujuhun faces on that, on that day that are bright. Ila rabbiha, to their Lord, looking. Okay, now, you see this word ila, Ila Rabbiha Nadira. This Ila plays a big, big role. Why? Because if this Ila was not there, some people may يعني, try and يعني, their argument for trying to rule out the, the, uh, us seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may somewhat be stronger. But when Ila is put in front of or with the word Nadara, so if I said Nadara Ila Kitabihi. Yeah, he looked to his book. 
it means that you are looking with your eyes. Alright? You are looking with your eyes. Okay? As for another fi, right? When the word fi is word is used with nadara, then it can mean thinking about. Okay? But when ila is used, there's no dispute. It cannot be disputed at all that it means that you are looking with your with your two eyes. Alright? With your two eyes. On top of that, the Prophet said, Innakum satarawna rabbakum. Verily, you are going to see your Lord. So how, yani how can we dispute it? This hadith is authentic. The Prophet said it. So we have to accept it. We have to, to accept it. Okay? The Prophet also mentions, Allahumma inna nas'aluka ladhatan nadri ila wajhik. This is a dua the Prophet would say. Oh Allah, inna nas'aluka. Verily, we ask you, ladhatan nadri to experience the joy of looking at you. The Prophet ﷺ in a hadith narrated by Imam Muslim, he mentions, When the people of Jannah, they enter Jannah. A caller will call out, يَا أَهْلَ الْجَنَّةِ إِنَّ لَكُمْ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ مَوْعِدًا يُرِيدُ أَنْ That verily, O oh people of Jannah, you have a meeting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he wants to, to reward you. And the people of Jannah will say, أَلَمْ يُبَيِّضْ وُجُوهَنَا وَيُثَقِّ الْمَوَازِينَنَا وَيُزَحْزِحْنَا مِنَ الْجَنَّةِ وَيُدْخِلَنَا الْجَنَّةِ وَيُزَحْزِحْنَا مِنَ النَّارِ That didn't Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brighten our faces. And he made our scales heavy. And he entered us into Jannah. And he saved us from the hellfire. يعني, what more can we get? فَيَكْشِفُ لَهُمُ الْحِجَابَ وَاللَّهِ مَا أُعْطِيَ شَيْئًا أَحَبَّ إِلَيْهِمْ مِنَ النَّظَرِ إِلَيْهِ مِنَ النَّظَرِ إِلَى رَبِّهِمْ ثُمَّ تَلَى قَوْلَهُ تَعَالَى لِلَّذِينَ أَحْسَنُوا الْحُسْنَ وَزِيَادَةً Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reveal himself to his creation. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he swore. He swore by Allah and he said they have not been given anything better than looking at Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on that day. يعني the greatest pleasure in Jannah is looking at Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us from those that will see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and will enter the highest uh, levels in Jannah. So, we will clearly see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, what did he recite? He said, لِلَّذِينَ أَحْسَنُوا الْحُسْنَ وَزِيَادَةً لِلَّذِينَ أَحْسَنُوا For those that did khair, al-husna, they will have يعني, the best, وَزِيَادَةً and even more. And this was, يعني, the tafsir of this is that they will see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So there is no way for us to, us to dispute that we will see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we'll see Allah twice. You'll see Allah, يعني, it's not only once you'll see Allah. The person in general can see Allah, يعني, it's mentioned a few times. يعني, it's, some uh, narration is mentioned on a Friday. Okay. Some narrations mention that, يعني, as we mentioned, that you will see the whole of the creation will see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, as for the disbelievers, then the scholars have differed. Will they, will they see Allah? Will they not see Allah? Um, and the stronger opinion at the moment, يعني, stronger, I won't say at the moment, but the stronger opinion seems that they will not see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That verily on that day, they will be 
covered from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They will not be able to see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, there was another issue, which is, there's a verse um, which talks about idrakul absar. Okay? Yani, the comprehension of your eyes, not being able to see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What does this mean? This means that, yani, this doesn't negate the fact that you won't be able to see Allah. I'll give you an example. When you look at the sun, can you see the sun? You can see it, right? But do your eyes comprehend every single thing about the sun? Can you see the side of it, the back, the, the back of it, every single thing about it? That's the reality of your eyes. And that's the reality when you see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You'll be able to see Allah. But your, your eyes will not comprehend يعني, the entirety of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is what, we're trying, what the verse is trying to say. Okay? Um, there's another verse that's used to try and negate the us, the ibad, the slaves of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala seeing Allah. Where Allah mentions, Lan tarani. To Musa alayhi salam. Okay? Qala rabbi arini anzur ilayk. Qala lan tarani walakin inzur il jabri falamma tajalla rabbahu walakin inzur il jabri falamma tajalla rabbahu il jabri jalla hudakan wa kharab Musa sa'iqa. That Musa alayhi salam, he asked Allah, he said, Oh Allah, I want to see you. Allah, you said, Lan tarani, you won't be able to see me. So some try and use that this word lan means forever. You will never ever ever be able to see me. Okay? But what do we have here? We have a, a hadith from the Prophet. ﷺ. And when it comes to the Quran and the Sunnah, we put the Quran and the Sunnah together to understand it properly. We don't pick and choose certain things. Because if you were to pick and choose half of a verse, half of a hadith, take something from here. We could come up with a completely different religion. But that's not how the Quran and the Sunnah is understood. The Quran and the Sunnah is understood together. Okay? The Quran interprets the Quran. The Sunnah interprets the Quran. Yani explains it for us. So we understand that Lan in this verse means fit dunya. Lan means fit dunya. You will not be able to see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this dunya. But in the hereafter we will be able to see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you have this clear, authentic hadith. Innakum satarawna rabbakum. The Prophet didn't just say, satarawna rabbakum. He said, innakum, verily you. He used harf tawkid. Inna, verily you, satarawna rabbakum, you will see your Lord. And in the hereafter. Now, the next verse is, وَلَيْسَ بِمَوْلُودٍ وَلَيْسَ بِوَالِدٍ وَلَيْسَ لَهُ شِبْهٌ تَعَالَى الْمُسَبَّحُ now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, Afun, the, uh, the Nadim ibn Abi Dawood mentions that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala laysa bi mawlud. It's not, he's not, yani, he's not begotten. Walaysa bi waladin. He's not a father of anyone. Matakhad Allah min waladin. Makana ma'ahu min ilah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has never taken a child. Makana ma'ahu min ilah. And there's no other deities besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah is the only one worthy of worship. They said Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has taken a child. Subhana. Exalted Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. So Allah always existed. Allah mentions Okay? 
that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was not begotten, nor did he beget. Yani, no one brought him into existence, and no one, he didn't, he does not have any children. Okay, now, there's another issue. Some people say, okay, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created everything, who created Allah? No one, why? Because Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the first Right, he's the one that always existed Okay now, how Okay, how would you explain this to a, a disbeliever? Huh? He was the cause He was the cause? Yeah, he's the initiated khalq Because you watch videos where they explain like if, if he was initiated, then that means If the creation was initiated and that means it will be like infinite kind of regress. Okay, infinite regress. Okay, that's a different issue. Yeah. No, try and tackle it from the being of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. None of us here, none of the creation here can compare to Ilahi. So that means he's not bound by anything of the creation. Okay, he's close. Anyone else? The creator of the creation has to be perfect to create the creation. The creator of the creation has to be perfect to create the creation. Look at the question itself. Who created the Creator? Does that make sense? Yeah. It doesn't make sense. You understand? It does not make sense. Who created the Creator? Look. Who created this can only be asked about something that is created. As for something that is not created, you can't ask who created it. Because it's, the essence of it is it's not created, so the question doesn't make sense. You understand? The question does not make sense. People, they try and ask you these questions to try and make you doubt your religion. They try and sound clever. But they're the foolish ones, you know? Okay, now, he says, وَلَيْسَ لَهُ شِبْهٌ تَعَالَى That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there is nothing like Allah. What does Allah mention in the Qur'an? Ta'ala, يعني glorified is Allah al-musabbahu, and exalted. We want to talk about Tasbih and subhanallah uh, Next So Allah mentions in the Quran Laysa kamithlihi shay'un Wa huwa sami'ul basir yani This is a major major principle in aqeedah There is nothing like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He is the all hearing He is the all seeing Okay Now I'm going to take a few principles That somewhat are related to this principle Okay Principle number one is That when it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala The aqeedah of Ahl sunnah is that that when you negate something from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala The negation is very general You won't find many texts in the Quran and the Sunnah That negate specific things Okay But when it comes to the attributes of Allah The attributes of Allah are very specific You understand? The attributes of Allah are very specific you see Allah mentioned that is Al-Halim, Al-Aziz, Al-Ghafoor, Al-Ghaffar, Al-Rahim, Al-Aziz, Al-Rahim. You understand? So many attributes that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions. Al-Sami' Al-Basir. So this is the aqidah of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. When it comes to negating something, we negate this, يعني, it's very general. Okay? But when it comes to the names and the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they're very specific. They're very specific 
The next one is that when we talk about the names and the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we combine, combine between negation and affirmation. Okay? And the Ahl Sunnati yajma'oon bayna nafi wal ithbat. Okay? They combine between negating and affirming. Okay? The verse itself is, evidence, is an evidence for this. What does Allah say? Laysa kamithlihi shay. Allah negated something. Nothing is like Allah. Wahuwa sami'ul basir. He is the all hearing, the all seeing. Okay? So look. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is what? Al hay. Yeah? We affirm that. And, but what do we negate? We negate that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Al Mayyit. Right? Or any type of death can come to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Anything that entails any type of deficiency that's related to, to life itself, it's negated from Allah. Sleep, drowsiness, tired, rest. Okay, why? Because Allah is perfect in His life. We affirm that Allah is a Samir, the all hearing. Anything that relates to Allah not being able to hear anything is negated from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, Allah is Al Basir, the all seeing. Anything that relates to Allah not being able to see anything or anything being hidden from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is negated. So you see how Ahl Sunnah they do jump between affirming something for Allah and negating something from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why is this so important? The reason why this is so important is because Mujarradun nafi laysa kamal. Laysa madhan wala kamal. Mujarradun nafi laysa madhan wala kamal. Yani just negating things from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not considered to show perfection nor is it a praise. Okay, so what's your name? Okay, Abdul Aziz. Yeah? Let's say Abdul Aziz, I start negating many different things from him. Okay? I'm not saying any of these things are true. Okay? So let's say Abdul Aziz, Abdul Aziz is not tall. He's not skinny. He's not um, short. He's not blind. He's not deaf. Um, he's not hungry. He's not sad. And is this considered to be praise? It doesn't show perfection, does it? Right? That's why Ahl Sunnah, they, they combine between affirming something for Allah and negating something from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Understand, yeah? Okay, anybody want me to repeat that issue? You mentioned uh, by the person where negating is general, Allah's name is not specific. Yeah, so negating something from Allah is, just, is, is general and affirming something for Allah is, uh, when we affirm it, it's, it's specific. So if you look at the verse, Allah mentions لَيْسَ كَمِثْلِهِ شَيْءٍ There is nothing like Allah. Okay, Allah didn't go into the details that are... Allah did not go, didn't go into details of the things that are not like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Allah just said, there's nothing like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But when Allah came to affirming something for Himself, He said He is السَّمِيعَ الْبَصِيرَ The all-hearing, the all-seeing. Understand that? Yeah? Okay? طيب. Now, he says, Ta'ala al-musabbahu. Ta'ala al-musabbahu. What is al-tasbih? Al-tasbih, yeah. We say, subhanallah, subhanallah, subhanallah. Subhanallah is tanzihullah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's where you exalt Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, what do you exalt Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from? Number one, tanzihullah subhanahu wa ta'ala anil naqs. You exalt Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from any type of deficiency. 
So when you say subhanallah, you're automatically saying that there is no deficiency in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? Number two, tanzihu naqsi Number two is you are negating any type of deficiency in the perfect names and attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? Right? So you're basically affirming that the attributes of Allah are all perfect and there's no deficiency in it at all. Yeah? So, and the third one is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala an mumathilatil makhluq. That you are exalting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from being anything like the creation. So when you say subhanallah, it automatically means Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is perfect. Uh, you mean, you're automatically saying that there is no type of deficiency in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You are saying that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is perfect in his names and his attributes and there is no deficiency in these names and attributes. You're saying that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is nothing like the creation. Right? Now, who can tell me, who can tell me why saying that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not like the creation necessitates that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, is exalted and perfect. You're close, but you're not there. Brother. Excellent. So, what does that mean? If Allah, if, يعني, if Allah has, if Allah doesn't have a defic- if the creation have deficiency, and you say that Allah subhanahu wa taala is not the creation, what does that mean? Yeah, you're negating deficiency from Allah subhanahu wa taala, which means what? Allah is perfect. Understand? Yeah. Okay. طيب. Anybody want me to repeat that? Everybody with me? Okay. Well, yeah, okay. Alhamd is wasful mahmoodi bil kamari hubban wa ta'adiman. Right? As for a tasbih, a tasbih is tanzih. It's where you're negating any type of, removing any type of deficiencies. From, the, يعني, from it being attributed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As for hamd, then hamd, you're, you're attributing all type of praise to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? So, يعني, the other one, they both necessitate each other. Understand? Yeah? Okay. وَقَدْ يُنْكِرُ الْجَهْمِيُّ هَذَا وَعِنْدَنَا Okay, so it says here, وَقَدْ يُنْكِرُ الْجَهْمِيُّ And the jahmi, وَقَدْ يُنْكِرُ and يعني يُنْكِرُ He may negate الجهمي, The jahmi may negate هذا What's, what's هذا? يعني all of these things that we have mentioned From the attributes and the seeing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala وَعِنْدَنَا And that which is with us يعني from the of Ahl-Sunnah That which shows that our aqeedah and the things that we believe and the things we were mentioning is a hadith that's musarrah, sarih, clear. Okay? Rawahu jarirun an maqali muhammadin faqul mithla ma qad qala fi dhaka tanjahu. Okay? So, now this hadith, the hadith that we mentioned, um, this hadith is sarih, 
which shows all of these um, attributes that we mentioned in terms of the seeing Allah, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, on the day of judgment. Hadith of Jarir ibn Abdullah al-Bajali. Okay? What he's referring, referring to now, as you, say, as you see, Rawahu Jarir. Jarir mentioned it. An maqali from the statement of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Yeah? فَقُلْ مِثْلَ مَا Say that which Jarir has, يعني, has narrated from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. تَنْجَحُ You will be successful. You will be successful. Why? Because success is following the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهَ فَاتَّبِعُونِ يُحْبِبْكُمُ اللَّهُ وَيَغْفِرْ لَكُمْ ذُنُوبَكُمْ Say if you, if you love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then follow me. Okay? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will love you and forgive you for your sins. يعني that is the only way to success. You can't find your own way to get into the, يعني to, to try to get to Jannah. You have to follow the tariq of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and tariq of the sahaba radiyallahu anhum. Now let's move on to the next uh, line of poetry, which is وَقَدْ يُنْكِرُ الْجَهْمِيُّ أَيْضًا يَمِينَهُ وَكِلْتَ يَدَيْهِ بِالْفَوَاضِرِ تَنْفَحُ He says, and the jahmi will also reject this. يعني, will reject يَمِينَهُ, the right hand of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَكِلْتَ يَدَيْهِ And the both of the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala بِالْفَوَاضِرِ with virtue تَنْفَحُ يعني are ever giving. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is always giving. Now, let's talk about the hand, the, this sifa, which is the sifa, the hand of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This sifa, this attribute of the hand of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioned in the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions, مَا مَنَعَكَ أَن تَسْجُدَ لِمَا خَلَقْتُ بِيَدَيْهِ What has prevented you from doing sujood to that which I have created by my hands? Who is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaking to here? Iblis, Allah is speaking to Iblis. When Allah commanded Iblis to make sujood to Adam alayhi salam, he refused. So Allah says, what has يعني, stopped you from making sujood to that which I have created with my hands? Okay, pay attention to this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala affirmed hands for himself. Now, some people will say, okay, this doesn't mean hands. It means qudra, ability. But Allah mentions two hands. So does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have two types of ability? Is the ability of Allah more than one? It doesn't make sense. Another thing is, why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mention his hands? If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created everything with his, if, according to your understanding, yeah, which is his ability, if Allah created everything with his qudra, his ability, why did he Mention it to Iblis. And it's also special about it. it. It doesn't make sense. The only reason Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would mention his hands is if there's a specific type of fadl, virtue, related to it. Okay? Which shows that Adam alayhi salam is virtuous. Why? Because he was created by the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Understand? Yeah? So, this cannot be taken for anything else. Now, remember the principles we mentioned at the beginning. How do we affirm the, the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Okay. Now, I want some ikhwa from this side now. Yeah? How do we affirm the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? What was the first step? What do we do? 
No, we don't ask questions. Why? Because it's mentioned in the Quran. It's mentioned in the Quran that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala created Adam with his hands. So. Good, excellent. Number one, you don't compare it to the, the hands of the humans. What else do we do? Excellent. We leave it as it is. Yeah? We don't go into too much detail trying to find out about how these hands are. Number one, we don't we affirm it. We affirm that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has hands. We understand the meaning. Everybody knows what hands is. Okay? But we do not compare it to the creation. And we don't delve into how it is. Why do we not delve into how some of the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are? We don't know how it is. So how are you going to find out? How can you find out about some, how something is if you don't know how it is? The only way you can find out is if you've either been told about it, have you been told about how the hands are in the Quran? Yani the intricate details of it? No, we just stick to the, the text of the Quran and the Sunnah. Or if you've seen something like it. Have you seen Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? We haven't. Okay, we haven't seen Allah. So we just keep it how it is. We keep it how it is. Now, look. Someone will say to you, okay, look, how 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 do you affirm that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has hands? You're saying Allah is like the creation. What mistake did this person fall into? He's comparing it. So who made the mistake? Did we make the mistake or did he make the mistake? He made the mistake. He made the mistake of comparing it to the creation first. Right? So we say, no, look, Allah has hands. Yeah, of course. Are you, gonna, are you going to deny that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala affirmed for himself? If you do, that's disbelief. It's kufr. You're saying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a liar, which is disbelief. Now, affirm it for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or ask this question. Say to them, look, does Allah exist? They will say to you, yes, Allah exists. Is the existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like your existence? They will say no. Say to them, okay, does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala see? They will say, yes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees. Is the seeing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like your seeing? They will say no. They say, they say to them, okay, apply that to the hands of Allah, the face of Allah, the feet of Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rising above his throne. Okay? The same way you, you, don't, you say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not the same in his existence and his hearing and his seeing, is the same way you should say that Allah's, the hands of Allah are not like the hands of the creation. You know this argument, it's very, very powerful. People don't understand how strong this argument is. It breaks down the aqidah of or many principles that, or many aqwal that the ash'ira um, have when it comes to the aqidah of the asma'u sifat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They try and bring some doubts here and there, but it's all يعني, things that, that have no foundation to stand upon. Okay, now, the next mas'ala is That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we mentioned, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, has two hands, okay? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a, has a right hand, okay? That's the, the afro, this is the next masala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a, a right hand, okay? 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the Quran, وَالسَّمَاوَاتُ مَطْوِيَّاتٌ بِيَمِينَ Okay. وَمَا قَدَرُ اللَّهَ حَقَّ قَدْرِهِ وَمَا قَدَرُ اللَّهَ حَقَّ قَدْرِهِ وَالْأَرْضُ جَمِيعًا قَبْضَتُهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ وَالسَّمَاوَاتُ مَطْوِيَّاتٌ بِيَمِينِهِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this verse, He talks about the Quran. Um, he talks about the Day of Judgment. And He talks about how the sama, samawat, والأرض, will be wrapped up in His, or rolled up in His right, right hand. So here, we affirm that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a, has a right hand. Okay? Assalamualaikum on top of that, we affirm that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has two hands. Why? Because of the verse what we mentioned before. Not yadi, yadayya. Yadayya shows two. Okay? It shows two. Um, the next mas'ala is that look, you might come across a hadith that says وَكِلْتَا يَدَيَّ رَبِّ يَمِينَ Okay? That both of the hands of my Lord Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are right. Right hands. And you will come across another hadith that mentions that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a left hand. Okay? Now, how did the ulama combine between the two? Who can answer this question? Tawadwab. What's meant by here is that the two right hands yeah. is that because in the Arabic language, when someone says his right hand means it's, it's, it's not deficiency in it, it's perfect. Okay. And Allah saying that he has two right hands, yeah. they say that both of his hands lit, they're not narcus, they're both perfect. Okay. And the left, uh, the hadith, where it's mentioned, left hand, I think it was mentioned, some scholars say it's right hadith, right? Okay, now this is, this is a good answer. Now, this issue of the left hand, some scholars have mentioned that the hadith is weak. So they just stick to the hadith which mentions that both of the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are right. Some scholars have said, no, the hadith is actually authentic. Okay? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a right hand and a left hand. They're not like the creation. But what is meant by the hadith that says both of the hands of my Lord are right is to negate any type of idea that the left hand is, has some type of deficiency or is weak. Why? Because when a person says that they have a left hand, automatically many people think that oh, the left hand is, is weak. Generally, there must be a, a stronger hand, right? You're either, when you're human, you're either right-handed or left-handed. Very rare you'll find someone that's both-handed. Right? So this hadith is to show that um, there is no type of deficiency. And both of the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are perfect. And they are nothing like the creation. They are not deficient. Okay, so that, yani, that is how you answer how to do jump between those to a hadith. It might be a little bit advanced, but it's just yani, so you have some type of ma'rifah of it. Maybe later on in your studies, you'll come across it and be able, be able to do a little bit more bahth and tabkhis of the mas'ala. So he says, وَكِلْتَ يَدَيْهِ بِالْفَوَاضِلِ تَنْفَحُ And both of the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are, um, are very generous in terms of bilfawadil, in virtue and giving. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is very, very giving. The Prophet sallallahu mentioned in the hadith, Yameenullahi mal'a la yaghidhuha nafaqatun. That the right hand of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is full of khair. La yaghidhuha nafaqatun. 
When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spends, it doesn't decrease anything from the right hand of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. أَرَأَيْتُ مَا أَنْفَقَ مُنْذُ أَنْ خَلَقَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ Have you seen that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has bestowed upon His creation, given to His creation, from the day the heavens and the earth were created? فَإِنَّهُ لَمْ يَقْمَا فِيهِ لَمْ يَقْمَا فِيهِ يَمِينِهِ Verily, that did, it did not decrease that which is in the right hand of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Which shows that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving. There's no had lahu. There's no um, limit to it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala يَرُزُقُ مَنْ يَشَاءُ بِغَيْرِ حِسَابٍ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can give and give and give and give without any limits. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not like the creation. There's a limit to the, what the creation can give. But there is no limit to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can give. Now, يُنْكِرُ الْجَهْمِيُّ The Jahmiya they also negate this. Why? Because they negate the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't want to go too much into يعني, some of the adilla that the, the deviants use. Why? Because at the beginning we want to solidify the aqeedah of Ahl sunnah wal jama'ah. Yeah? Once we have solidified the aqeedah of Ahl sunnah wal jama'ah, we have a, and we have a general understanding of what the other groups say, is when we can actually go into understanding the evidences and seeing how it goes against the aqeedah of Ahl sunnah wal jama'ah. Okay, so first of all, lay your foundation and then build your house. Okay, that's how it works. Taib. The next mas'ala, and we're still on يعني, the sifat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and I think this might be the la- last part before yeah, we move on to the Sahaba. طيب. Okay, the next math- mas'ala, uh, the Nadim says, وَقُلْ يَنْزِلُ الْجَبَّارُ فِي كُلِّ لَيْلَةٍ بِلَا كَيْفَ جَلَّ الْوَاحِدُ الْمُتَمَدِّحُ إِلَى طَبَقِ الدُّنْيَا يَمُنُّ بِفَضْلِهِ فَتُفْرَجُ أَبْوَابُ السَّمَاءِ وَتُفْتَحُ يَقُولُ عَلَى مُسْتَغْفِرٌ يَلْقَى غَافِرًا ومستمنح خيرا ورزقا فيمنح روى ذاك قوم لا يرد حديثهم الا خاب قوم كذبوهم قبحوا اوكي ناو ليتس دو ا بريف ترانزليشن بوي جامب انتو هيير وي غونا بي توكينج اباوت ذا نزول اوف الله الله سبحانه وتعالى كامين داون اوكي اند ريمبر وي منشن ريمبر ذا ايشو اوف نوت جوين ديب انتو هاو الله سبحانه وتعالى's اتريبيوتس ار اتس غونا بيكم ا لوت كليرر وين وي كوم تو ذس ايشو he says, وَقُلْ يَنْزِلُ And say al- that Yanzilu comes down, Al-Jabbar is one of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Omnipotent, okay? فِي كُلِّ لَيْلَةٍ In every night. بِلَا كَيْفَ Okay, يعني we affirm this without going into how this nuzul, this coming down of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. جَلَّ الْوَاحِدُ Magnificent Al-Wahid is Al-Wahid. Al-Wahid is one of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. أي المنفرد the only one المتمدح المتمدح أي الذي يمدحه المؤمنون the one that is praised by the believers المتمدح the one that is praised okay إلى طبق الدنيا to the lowest heaven يمن بفضله that Allah سبحانه وتعالى bestows his blessings فتفرج أبواب السماء and the the heaven the doors of the heavens are open يعني us يعني are split أَبْوَابُ السَّمَاءِ يعني the doors of the heavens are split وَتُفْتَحُ and opened يَقُولُ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says أَلَا مُسْتَغْفِرٌ isn't there a person who is seeking forgiveness يَلْقَ غَافِرًا who will seek the one that will forgive him وَمُسْتَمْنِحٌ and a person that's seeking something 
mustamlihun khayran, a person that is seeking khayr, warizqan, and provision, fayumnahu, so that he may be provided for. Rawadhaka. It was narrated, that was narrated, qawmun, by a people, yani people of hadith. La yuraddu hadithuhu. Whose narrations of hadith are not rejected. Yani this hadith is authentic. Ala khaba qawmun. Destroyed a qawm, a people. Kathabuhum, who have accused them of lying and ruined all those people who have accused them of lying and rejected these narrations this is a brief translation okay now this talks about the nuzul of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so remember the principles we mentioned Allah subhanahu or the Prophet mentioned in a hadith narrated by Al-Bukhari and Muslim from Abu Huraytah radiallahu anhu yanzilu rabbuna kulla laylati that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comes down to the lowest heaven every single night every single night when the last part in the last third of the night when the last third of the night is left it's the last bit until Fajr comes in so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says um, who is seeking forgiveness so I may forgive that person? Who is making dua to me so I, make, so I may answer that person? Answer the dua of that person. Who is asking for something so I may give it to that person? Now, before we jump into the masala of Nuzul, ponder upon this hadith. And the great blessing that can be understood from this hadith. And ponder on things that you are facing in life. Issues that you feel like need to be resolved. Whether it's issues related to money, health, family, marriage, the dunya, even the akhirah, which is the most important thing. Your iman, your environment. You need help. This is the perfect time to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And always remember this. On top of the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always wants to accept your dua. إِنَّ رَبَّكُمْ حَيٌّ كَرِيمٌ يَسْتَحْيِي مِنْ عَبْدِهِ إِذَا رَفَعَ يَدَيْهِ إِلَيْهِ أَنْ يَرُدَّهُمَا إِلَيْهِ صِفْرًا That your Rabb, your Lord, is hayyid, shy and he is generous. That if his servant lifts his hands to his Lord and asks Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for something, that Allah will turn you back empty-handed. So always remember that whenever you are in need of something, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will always want to answer your dua. And on top of that, Allah is giving you chances after chances for your dua to be accepted. From them is the last part of the night. From them is between adhan and the iqamah. From them is an hour on the Friday. Many, many different... From them is when you're traveling. From amongst them is when you're fasting. So always remember that. Whenever you feel like you need something, don't run to the makhluk. Don't run to the creation. The creation are naqis. Even when it comes to complaining. Complain to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Speak to Allah. Talk to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala about your issues, about your problems. Why? Because you're speaking to the one that can actually solve it. 
that can actually give you a solution. When you complain to the makhluq, most of the time, they don't have a solution. And some of them spread this, yeah, these issues that you're having, these things that you have confided in them with. But when you speak to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and you complain to Allah, and you ask for guidance, and you ask for help, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will always deliver. Always remember that. Tafadlam. Okay, now, there are things that will make it difficult for your dua to be accepted, but such as, يعني, in the famous hadith, ثُمَّ ذَكَرَ الرَّجُلُ أَشْعَثَ أَغْبَرَ يَمُدُّ يَدَيْهِ إِلَى السَّمَاءِ يَا رَبْ يَا رَبْ وَمَطْعَمُهُ حَرَامٌ وَمَشْرَبُهُ حَرَامٌ وَمَلْبَسُهُ حَرَامٌ وَغُذِيَ بِالْحَرَامٌ فَأَنَّا يُسْتَجَابَ لَهُ The Prophet mentioned a man who يعني, is in a situation where his dua is very likely to be accepted. But what he consumes is haram. What he wears is haram. What he eats and drinks is haram. The Prophet ﷺ said, لا يستجاب له That his dua will not be accepted. But he said, فَأَنَّا يستجاب له How does he expect for his dua to be accepted? يعني يستبعد It's شيء بعيد نوعا ما It's a bit far. But your dua can always be accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You just try your best to stay away from eating haram, consuming haram money, um, consuming that which is haram, wearing that which is haram. Okay? Yani you make tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you call Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by his names and his attributes, you show how much in need you are of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and then you ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala what you need. Look at Surah Al-Fatiha. How does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala... Surah Al-Fatiha is a dua. Allah says, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. We're praising Allah. Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. We're praising Allah. We're calling upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by his names and attributes. Maliki Yawmiddin. We're still praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Iyyaka na'budu wa iyyaka nasta'in. You alone we worship. You alone we ask for help. You're showing how much in need you are of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ihdina sirat al-mustaqim. Then we ask for what we want. What we want. Guide us to the straight path. So this is how you should make dua. Okay. Um... Let's go back, we'll get back to the mas'ala Which was يعني, What were we talking about? <laughs> yeah The nuzul of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He comes down to the lowest heaven He says Who, man, who is asking for forgiveness So I may forgive them Who is asking for uh, Who is making dua So I may answer their dua Who is asking for something So I may give it to them Okay Now um, This is what we can take from this, on top of the fact that يعني, من حيث العمل, what we can do in terms of acting upon the hadith we've already mentioned, but in terms of الاعتقاد, right? We can take from this the sifatun nuzul, the attribute of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala coming down, descending. Okay? Now, how do we affirm this attribute? Remember the principles. Number one, we affirm the attribute, we affirm the meaning. Everybody knows what descending means. It's the opposite of ascending. Go up, go down, right? Ascending is up, descending is down. Yeah? Number two, what do we do? We don't compare it to the creation. We don't say Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yanzilu hakadha or yanzilu hakadha. We don't do that. We don't say Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comes down like so and so, comes down like this. Okay, comes down like the creation. 
The last one is we don't delve into how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comes down. Because we don't know. We don't know anything like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We have not seen how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comes down. Nor has Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala explained to us how he comes down. So يعني, that door is completely shut. We don't delve into it. Okay, now, I'm going to ask you guys a question. And I want you guys to answer this according to the principles. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the hadith mentions that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comes down every single night, the last third of the night. Okay? Now, the last third of the night, yeah, is different uh, around the world. So, how can Allah come down at this time and that time? And what do we say? One, one minute. I'm going to come back to you guys. I want someone from over here to answer. Yeah? Go on. We don't, huh? We don't go into the intricate details. That's true. What did the mistake the person who... Uh, what was the mistake the person fell in... Yeah, what was the mistake they fell into? The one who's answered, asking this question. It's somewhere related to that. Go on. Exactly. They think that Allah is bound by this time period, which means that they, what have they done? They have compared Allah to His creation. You see how important these principles are? Many people, they fall into many different types of misunderstanding. Many, many mistakes. Why? Because they go against these principles. If they, stuck to these, stuck, if they stuck to these principles, then they wouldn't be asking these questions. None of these questions wouldn't even arise. Why? Because they would know, okay, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not like His creation. So why am I even comparing Allah to His, to his creation? Yeah? Now, um, one thing I will mention before we move on is that you see how he said bila kaif, without a kaif, without a how. In the books of Aqidah, especially the ones that mention the aqwal of the salaf and the aqwal of the a'imma, you will see amiruha kama jaat bila kaif, or bila kaifin wala ma'na. We affirm it bila kaif, without a how. Some people will try and use this and say we negate that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a how. Okay? And we don't we can't understand the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So number one, they negate that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a how. Yani, and number two, some of them say this shows that we can't understand the meaning of the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now let me tell you, let me ask you something. If something doesn't have a how, then how does it exist? It doesn't. Okay, let me simplify it. If I said to you, I went to the shops, and you asked me, how did I go to the shops? And I said, without a how. Did I go to the shops? It doesn't make sense. Right? So if something doesn't have a how, it doesn't exist. I mean, look, look, look at the extent these people went to. And the reason is, is because they're running away from comparing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to His creation. They run away from that, they fall into this. You understand? Yeah? Okay, now, 
those who say we can't understand the meaning of the names and the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, if, if we don't understand the meaning and the names of the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, why is it mentioned so much in the Qur'an? Exactly, the Rasulullah explained the Qur'an. So look, if the Qur'an, if the Qur'an entailed the names and attributes of Allah and we can't understand them, why is it mentioned so many times? Why is it when Allah, when the Prophet ﷺ mentioned an attribute of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he mentioned a general meaning that people can understand? I'll give you an example. The Prophet ﷺ came across a woman. This woman was holding the, the child tight to her, to herself. So the Prophet ﷺ asked the Sahaba, أَتَرَوْنَ هَذِهِ طَارِحَةً وَلَدَهَا فِي النَّارِ do you see that this woman would throw her child into the hellfire? They said, La, la ya Rasulullah. No, she wouldn't. The Prophet ﷺ said, Lallahu arhamu bi'ibadihi min hadihi biwaladiha. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is more merciful than this woman to her child. This is a hadith. Can it be evident for the concept of concept of irada kawniyah and shara'iyah because Allah irada kawniyah is that Allah is universal law and Allah willed it to happen so it happens whereas irada shara'iyah is Allah loved it to happen and it still happens for example irada shara'iyah example is Abu Bakr Allah loved Abu Bakr to be a Muslim and he became a Muslim whereas irada kawniyah is um, Allah loved um, Fir'aun to be a Muslim but like Fir'aun did not become a Muslim now, you see this issue that you mentioned, yeah? This issue of it showing هَلْ يَدُلُوا عَلَى الْإِرَادَةِ الْكَوْنِيَةِ وَالْإِرَادَةِ الشَّرْعِيَةِ I won't say it shows it specifically. يعني دلالة واضحة. A person can come from a different angle that أن الرحمة له علاقة بالمحبة. Right? May come from that angle. But I won't say يعني it's, it's specific to it. When we're talking about الإرادة الشرعية والإرادة الكونية The أدلة for الإرادة الشرعية, right? Um, we can mention the mahabba. Wallah, inna Allah yuhibbu tawabin yuhibbu al-mutatahirin. Right? Because al-irad shari'iyah is, is muradif anil al-mahabba. You understand? Right? So we use the nusus that show mahabba. Okay? Now, um, let's get back to the issue of al-rahmah. The Prophet wasallam. how did he explain how merciful Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is to, uh, to his creation, to the sahaba? How did he explain it? What did he use? He used the example of a woman, right? And the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, they understood it. You understand? Yeah? Which means that the names and the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can be understood. There's a general meaning that's shared between, um, in terms of the word, rahmah, mercy. Mercy is, is, a, is, a, is a word that can be understood. Hearing is a word that can be understood, right? I can hear, you can hear. We can hear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hears. But the, the difference is the hearing of Allah is not like the hearing of the creation. You understand that? Yeah? Okay? So anybody that tries to say um, that we can't understand the names and the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that person has, has no evidence at all. Tayyip. Allah. 
يعني بلا خوض في الكيف يعني لا نخوض في الكيف نثبتها بلا uh, without mentioning a specific كيفيه so we affirm it without saying how it is okay you understand yeah okay طيب now the next issue is the issue of the sahaba رضي الله عنهم okay see so what he says قل إن خير قل إن خير الناس بعد محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وزيراه قدم ثم عثمان أرجح ورابع خير البرية بعدهم علي حليف الخير بالخير منجح وإنهم وإنهم ولا الرهد لا ريب فيهم وعلى نجب الفردوس بالنور تسرحوا سعيد وسعد وبالعوف وطلحة وعامر فهر والزبير ممدح وقل خير قول في الصحابة كلهم ولا تكو طعانا تعيب وتجرحوا فقد نطق الوحي المبين بفضلهم وفي الفتح آيم الصحابة تمدحوا Now um, Juan, how long do we have left until our next break? The Are you guys feeling? You guys need a rest? Yani don't be shy. Okay? طيب. Okay, now. He says, وَقُلْ and say, إِنَّ خَيْرَ So we're going to do a brief translation and we're going to go into it. وَقُلْ and say, إِنَّ خَيْرَ النَّاسِ يعني The best of people Muhammad, after Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Wazirahu, his two ministers And he's referring to Abu Bakr and Umar Qidman, yani from Back in the day, from old Why? Because Abu Bakr and Umar Were from the companions Who accepted Islam in the early stages Okay So they were always close to him From, uh, from the early, early days of Islam Thumma Uthman And then Uthman al-Arjahu yani Uthman is considered to be the most afdal after Abu Bakr and Umar. وَرَابِعُهُمْ And the fourth of them, خَيْرُ الْبَرِيَّةِ The best of mankind after them. Yeah? Which is who? Ali. Ali رضي الله عنه. حَلِيفُ الْخَيْرِ Halif يعني صاحب. A person of, a companion of khair. يعني a person of khair. Ali رضي الله عنه. بِالْخَيْرِ مُنْجِحُ With khair he was successful. Right? وَإِنَّهُمْ And verily, they are al-rahat. Al-rahat in the Arabic language is a word that's used to show a number between 3 and 10. Okay? And here he's referring to al-ashra, uh, the, the 10 that were promised Jannah by the Prophet Okay? So how many have you mentioned? You mentioned Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali. Yeah? They are that jama'ah of 10. لا ريب فيهم. There is no doubt in them. Why? Because there's a hadith, authentic hadith. But the Prophet ﷺ said Abu Bakr fil Jannah, Umar fil Jannah, Uthman fil Jannah, Ali fil Jannah. And he carries on to mention the other ten. على نجوب الفردوس. نجوب is جمع نجيب, which is is considered to be أنفس المال. يعني it's the best type of wealth. Some say it's um, riding beasts. Yeah. على نجوب الفردوس upon uh, Let's say riding beasts in Firdaus bin Nuri upon light tasrahu. They go wherever they want. Yeah. Now there's a hadith where the Prophet وسلم, he was asked, Hal fil Jannati min khayl? Are there any horses in Jannah? Okay, because this is what the Sahaba knew, you know? They knew horses and camels. Us we may ask about other things. But this is what the Sahaba عنهم, knew. Right? 
So the Prophet ﷺ explained to him that you will be, you can be in Jannah. That you, when you enter Jannah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enters you into Jannah. You can be upon a, a, a horse from Yaqut Hamra, yani red rubies, or rub, they'll say rubies because rubies are red. Um, it will fly with you wherever you want to go. And you can go anywhere you want. So, uh, he's just, so, he may, the Nadir may be referring to this. So I know some of the Shurrah, they, they mentioned this hadith. Then he mentions, carries on to say, so we have, look, we mentioned the four. Five is Sa'd. Sa'id ibn Zayd. Yeah, Sa'id. So Sa'id, Sa'id ibn Zayd. Sa'd ibn Abi Waqas. Okay, Sa'd. Wabn Awfin. Ibn Awf, eh? Abdul Rahman ibn Awf. Wa Talhatun. Talhat ibn Ubaidillah. Yeah, Talha. وعامر فهر عامر who's عامر أبو عبيدة الجراح يا أبو عبيدة يا فهر نوس فهر فهر is the tribe he goes back to يعني قريش known as بنو فهر بنو فهر ابن مالك is what they يعني famously known as so obviously أبو عبيدة الجراح was قرشي والزبير الممدح الزبير that is praised الزبير من العوام Okay, the father Abdullah bin Zubair. So um, we have ten here, yeah. We have look Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali, Sa'id bin Zaid, it's five. Sa'ad bin Abi Waqas, Abdurrahman bin Auf, Talha bin Ubaidillah, Abu Ubaidah al Jarrah, Zubair bin Awam. Ten. Okay, make sure you memorize that. Those are the ten that are promised Jannah. وَقُلْ خَيْرَ قَوْلٍ And say the best of statements في الصحابة in the companions of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم كلهم, all of them وَلَا تَكُوا And don't be طَعَانًا A person who insults تَعِيبُ يعني you ridicule وَتَجْرَحُ And you um, insult يعني don't insult and ridicule the companions of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم فَقَدْ نَطَقَ الْوَحْيُ الْمُبِينُ Verily نَطَقَ يعني spoken Al-Wahi, the revelation has spoken. Al-Mubin, yani the clear revelation has spoken before him about their virtue. Wafil-Fathi, and in Surah Al-Fathi, Ayun, there is a verse. Lis-Sahabati, yani about the Sahaba Tamdahu, that praises the Sahaba. So, um, in the, the, the Wahi that he's talking about here. Prophet said, The Prophet said, do not, do not curse my companions. Because verily, if one of you were to spend Uhud, the mountain of Uhud, in gold, for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you will not reach any of my companions in virtue, nowhere near. And the Sahaba are sky high. The Sahaba are the best of creation after the Prophet and after the Prophet, after the Prophets and the Messengers. Filfatih, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala mentions, "لَقَدْ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ إِذْ يُبَايِعُونَكَ تَحْتَ الشَّجَرَةِ." Right in the Sulh of Hudaybiyah, when the Prophet was outside Mecca, and he sent Uthman into Mecca to send a message. Some say to the Muslims, some say to the leaders of Quraysh, right? So Uthman went into Mecca to send a message. 
Prophet ﷺ and the Sahaba are outside um, Mecca. And it's come back to the Prophet ﷺ that apparently Uthman has been killed. So the Prophet ﷺ bay'a al-Sahaba. He took the bay'a of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum that they will fight until death. Bay'a al-Ridwan is known as. Okay, and then it came back that Uthman radiallahu anhu was still alive and was not killed. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed this verse. لَقَدْ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ إِذْ يُبَايُعُونَكَ تَحْتَ الشَّجَرَةِ Right? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with the believers. Those ones that gave bay'ah to you under the tree. And imagine this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is revealing a verse about you in the Qur'an and saying that he's pleased. He's pleased with you. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being pleased with you entail? It entails that you will be from the people of Jannah. Remember we mentioned the hadith of when the people of Jannah enter Jannah and they see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say to them, أُحِلَّ عَلَيْكُمْ رِضْوَانِي فَلَا أَسْقُطُ عَلَيْكُمْ أَبَدًا That I have bestowed upon you my uh, pleasure and I will never ever be angry with you again. يعني if if a person is, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with a person, that person will be from the people of Jannah. That's why we say, radiyallahu anhum wa anhum. That they are pleased, radiyallahu anhum, may Allah be pleased with them. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be pleased with the Sahaba, and we know the Sahaba are from the best of creation. Now, uh, Yeah, that can be used as a verse. As a reward for the person who does good deeds. Um, and obviously the Sahaba are from those, those that do the good deeds. Okay, look. Let's move on to some of the Masail. What is a Sahabi? يعني, who, is, who is considered to be a Sahabi who isn't? Okay. You made a mistake. You nearly got it. Okay, tell Okay. A person who meets the Prophet and believes in him and dies upon Islam. Yani what's the problem what is the issue with saying a person who saw the Prophet? Yeah, he was blind. Right? There were some sahaba that may that were blind. So, if you say a person who saw the Prophet ﷺ, then you're taking them out of, out of the circle of the Sahaba. So, you say those who met the Prophet ﷺ and believed in the Prophet ﷺ and died upon Islam. Now, um, okay. طيب. Okay, as for the, uh, the, the tartib of al-khilafa, this is aqeedah from, this is a, from the usul of, of, of Ahl Sunnah. The tertib of Khilafah, right? Man kana ahaqqu bil Khilafah. Number one, who was the person who was deserving of the Khilafah after the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? Abu Bakr. Abu Bakr radiyallahu anhu. Yeah? I would say, dakhla Abu Bakr. Dakhla Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Abu Bakr. Kharaja Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Abu Bakr. Abu Bakr and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam entered. Abu Bakr and the Prophet exited. Abu Bakr and the Prophet were very close. He was the most beloved companion to the Prophet. 
If I was to take a person as a Khalil, right, and Al-Khulla is considered to be from the highest levels of love. Yeah? He said, I would have taken Abu Bakr as my Khalil. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has taken me as, the, as a Khalil. Okay? Who led the Muslims in prayer when the Prophet was ill? It was Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. Okay, so Abu Bakr was the most deserving of Khilafah. After Abu Bakr, it was Umar. It was Umar. After Umar, it was Uthman. After Uthman, it was Ali. This is the correct uh, succession of the Khilafah. Okay? It's the correct succession of, of Khilafah. Now, um, I'm going to mention a few principles that relate to the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. Um, Abu Zur'at al-Razi, he said, إِذَا رَأَيْتُمْ أَحَدًا يَنْقُصُ مِنْ أَصْحَابِ رَطْمَةِ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمْ فَعْلَمُوا أَنَّهُ زِنْدِيقٍ if you see anyone trying to degrade the Prophet, uh, the Prophet's companions, know that this person is a heretic. And he, he's on the path to, 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 to Zandaqa. Why? Because look, who are the companions of the Prophet? They are the ones who transmitted the religion to us. If you cut out the Sahaba of the Prophet, then who can you depend upon to know what is the Sunnah, what isn't the Sunnah, what is the Quran, what isn't the Quran? You understand? See how important the Sahaba radiallahu anhum are, and how important, how much, how, how vital their, their role was. They were those that transmitted to us the Quran. They were those that transmitted to us the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu They carried on spreading the message after the Prophet sallallahu died. So. Oh, the principle is that the Sahaba are the best of creation after the messengers and prophets. So it's not permissible for us to insult them. Okay, it's not permissible for us to insult them. So what is the ruling on a person who insults the Sahaba? There's a few different rulings. Okay. Now, the first one is if a person insults the Sahaba and he accuses most of them or all of them of either being disbelievers or being fusaq, yeah, people of uh, disobedience, then this is an act of kufr. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that He is pleased with them. So those that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with, who's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only pleased with? Those that are obedient. He's not pleased with the disbelievers. He's not pleased with those that do sins. So you saying that they were sinners or they were disbelievers is saying that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lied in this verse. You understand? It's major kufr. Of course, the Musahaba, they did make mistakes and sins. But for you to accuse all of them or most of them of either being disbelievers or being sinners for saq, because look, a person can make a sin and repent. But a fasiq is a person who is a sinner. And it's not repented. Why? Because look, as the Prophet said, the person who repents from a sin is like a person who has no sin. So a person who committed a sin and repented is not known as a fasiq. But a person who is indulging in that sin and has not repented is, a known, is known as a, a fasiq. How did the, the Shia do that? 
So, the Shia, they have their roots um, in many different things. It came from, obviously, issues related to Ali radiallahu anhu. It came from fabrications. It came from, um, some say they have uh, roots back to some of the Yahud that they took some of their ideas from, even the Jahmiyyah. So, um, they, they, it goes back to, it says some of them say it goes back to Labid ibn al-Asam. Uh, Labid ibn al-Asam, I think. Or not Asam, I think it's Asam. It mentions here. Um, so, the Shia, the, the, what they base the, the accusations of the Sahaba upon are all false. If you look in their books, they have no chains of narration. And if it's chains of narration, it's chains that are all fabricated. You understand? Okay, now the second one is um, that you accuse of disbelief or of fisk, yeah? A, a companion of the Prophet الذي تواترت فضله تواترت النصوص بفضله وبذكر فضله shall we say that there are many many numerous narrations that show that this person this sahabi was virtuous such as Abu Bakr or Umar right or Uthman or Ali you accuse them of disbelief or you accuse them of um, being fusaq then this is an act of kufr. On top of that, if you accuse Aisha radiallahu anha of being a person who committed filthy acts, and this is also disbelief. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala freed her from this accusation in the Quran. Okay? Now, the next one is um, if you insult any of the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa and this insult has nothing related to or is nothing to do with their religion. Yeah? It's nothing to do with their religion. You accuse them of being stingy, or you accuse them of being a coward. Okay? This is haram. And this person is known as a fasiq. And some of the scholars, they go to the extent by saying that this person should be punished. Uzzir. Right? This person should be, should be punished. So these are يعني, the three categories that some of the scholars mention. There might be some other categories that can be added to it, but we'll stick to these three for the time being. Okay? Now, I'll mention two more principles that relate to uh, the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. The first one is فَهْمُ الصَّحَابَةِ مُقَدَّمٌ عَلَى فَهْمِ غَيْرِهِمْ That the understanding of the Sahaba is put in front of the understanding of every single person. That came after them. You understand that? Yeah? The understanding of the Sahaba, of the Quran and the Sunnah, is put before the understanding of anybody that's not a companion. Why? Because who can explain this to me? Why, يعني, why, why is this? Why is this? The Prophet taught them himself. They were his direct students. Okay, so look. Let's say, what's your name? Irfaz, yeah? Irfaz, okay. So let's say Irfaz is my teacher, yeah? Now, I studied with Irfaz for, for a few years. Um, Ahmed, yeah? Now, 
I know what the opinions, his opinions are. I know what he sees to be halal, haram, what he sees to be makruh, right? Disliked or mustahab. And I mention that to other people. And then Ahmed comes along and he says, no, it means this and that. But he, he's, never, he's never studied with him or met him. Whose understanding or is put in front of, uh, yani whose understanding is taken? Mine or Ahmed's? Mine, right? Why? Because I'm his direct student. I sat with him. I yani, traveled with him. I studied under him. I was with him for many hours. I know about him. Ahmed has never met him. Okay? You understand? So that's why the fahm of the Sahaba عنه, is put at the top. It's above everything else. When it comes to, and look, apply this. When it comes to understanding a verse in the Quran, a hadith of the Prophet if you can't find the Quran explained in the Quran, right? If you can't find a hadith, a hadith from the Prophet explaining the verse, or another hadith explaining this hadith, then we go directly to the understanding of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. And even before that, the Sahaba radiallahu anhum are the ones who would actually show us that this verse explains this verse. Or this hadith explains this hadith. Alright? Unless the Prophet sallallahu himself didn't do that. Now, the last issue I mention is Ijma'u sahabati hujjah. Anything that the Sahaba radiallahu anhum agree upon, right, is an evidence. No one can dispute it. Okay? Always remember, remember that. The ijma' of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, the consensus of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum upon an Islamic ruling is an evidence itself. Is an evidence itself. Allah mentions, Okay? That's A person who goes against the Prophet after the guidance has been clarified to him. And follows a path other than the path of the believers. Okay? This shows يعني, that the ijma of the Sahaba is evidence. Why? Because it's the path of the believers. They have all agreed upon it. They have all studied from the Prophet Now they have all agreed that this verse means this, this hadith means this, this is the Islamic, correct Islamic ruling. So it's the path of the believers. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that whoever goes against the path of the, of the believers, that person will go astray and he will be from the people of the hellfire. Okay? Tafadl. That some ulama have mentioned that it's weak, but the ma'ana is sahih. The, the meaning is, is authentic. That my ummah will never all agree upon guidance, uh, misguidance, I mean. They will never all agree upon misguidance. Understand that, yeah? Okay. Now, let's move on to. Um, The next issue, which is Al-Imanu Bil-Qadr. Al-Imanu Bil-Qadr, and I think, I don't think we have many issues left. Let me have a look. I think we have Imanu Bil-Qadr, Imanu Bil-Yawm Al-Akhir, and 
تعريف الإيمان أوكي we'll take a break here طيب الحمد لله وحده والصلاة والسلام على من لا نبي بعده إن شاء الله تعالى this will probably be the last part of it uh, we have الإيمان بالقدر الإيمان باليوم الآخر uh, issues that relate إيمان بالقدر belief in قدر belief in the مسائل that relate to إيمان تعريف الإيمان and what is إيمان and um, the ending of the poem okay so it's like four four parts now this part he says وَبِالْقَدْرِ الْمَقْدُورِ أَيْقِنْ فَإِنَّهُ دِعَامَةُ عَقْدِ الدِّينِ وَالدِّينُ أَفْيَحُ he says and in قدر يعني the divine decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that has been decreed المقدور أيقن belief يعني have يقين have certainty فَإِنَّهُ because verily it دِعَامَةُ عَقْدِ الدِّينِ it's the pillar that combines many affairs of the religion, right? It's a pillar that combines many affairs of the religion. What deen and the religion afyahu and the religion is very is more يعني, wider. يعني, it's it's wasi. It has many 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 issues and many many masai. So what is um before we jump into this, the reason why he's putting emphasis on it on this issue of Al Qadr is because at the time or towards the end of the time of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, there was a man known as uh, Ma'bad al-Juhani. Ma'bad al-Juhani was from those that believed that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not have uh, knowledge of that which is going to happen in the future. So he negated that. Okay? He was known to be from the Ghulat al-Qadariyya, the extreme of al-Qadariyya, those that deny Qadr. So, Ibn Umar radiallahu anhu, they came to him. Two tabi'un came to Ibn Umar. And they said to him that we have come across a man known as Ma'bad al-Juhani. And they explained to him the situation. And Ibn Umar radiallahu anhu, he says that if that man spent the amount of Uhud as gold for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it will never be accepted from him until he believes in Qadr. And then he started to mention the hadith of Al-Iman um, Al-Islam You know the famous hadith of Umar radiallahu anhu Right? The hadith of Jibreel Okay? The hadith of Jibreel This story is, is narrated in Sahih Muslim So if you look at the hadith of Jibreel You'll find this story before the hadith is narrated So Qadr is the divine decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Now our belief in Al-Qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Is built upon four pillars Four pillars Yeah? Number one, the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number two, the writing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number three, al-mashi'ah, the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number four, al-khalq, the, the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, وَكَانَ اللَّهُ بِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ عَلِيمًا And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was always knowledgeable and will always be knowledgeable about every single thing. So, we have to believe, number one, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has knowledge of everything that happened in the past and has knowledge of everything that will happen in the future. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has knowledge of things that didn't happen and if they were to happen, He has knowledge of how they would have happened. Right? So we have to believe in all of this, that the, that the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is very vast. We can't comprehend how vast 
the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. Number two, we have to believe in Al-Kitabah. What is Al-Kitabah? Al-Kitabah is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wrote every single thing that will happen until the day of judgment. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wrote this before the creation was created. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, what did he say? And you take this down, number one is ilm. Number two is kitabah, the writing. The Prophet sallallahu said, كَتَبَ اللَّهُ مَقَادِيرَ الْخَلَائِقِ قَبْلَ أَنْ يَخْلُقَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ بِخَمْسِينَ أَلْفِ سَنَةِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wrote down the decree of all creation. Before he created the creation, 50,000 years before that. Okay? So we have to believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wrote every single thing down. Now, does that mean, pay attention to this, because this is very important. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wrote every single thing down, does that mean that we are forced to do the things that we do? No, because it's an account of what you are going to do, and your will is yours to do what you please. Excellent, that's a very good answer. Yeah? Um, can you repeat it? Say it a bit louder. Um, it's, it's, it's an account of what is going to happen. Yeah. But you have free will on what you can do. You have free will of what you can do. Right? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is writing down what you are going to do based on the free will He has given you or is going to give you. Okay? I'll give you a practical example. And this is not to compare Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to His creation. But this is just to... يعني, so you guys can understand it a bit easier Let's say I have a son Right? I have a son, his name's Abdullah Abdullah, I know him very well Right? I brought him up I know what, I know what he likes I know what he likes to do on specific days I know what he likes to buy at a certain time So I, a week before I did this I had a notebook I wrote down in this notebook that I'm going to give my son Abdullah five pound. Yeah? On Friday, before he goes to the Friday prayer. When he comes back from Salah, he will have with him a box of chicken and chips and a drink. Yeah? Um, this will happen uh, after he. This is what is going to happen on a Friday, and he's going to have this after the Jum'ah Salah. So, what do I do on Friday? When Friday comes around, I don't tell him anything. I give him five pound. He goes Salah, prays Jum'ah, comes back, and I see in his hand he's got a box of chicken and chips and a drink. Yeah? Now, did I force Abdullah to do what he did? Did me writing down that he's going to do this, yeah, force him to go out there and buy it? I may have facilitated it for him by actually giving it to him, giving him the money, but I didn't force him. You understand that? You have to understand, when it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala writing down what is going to happen, Allah knows what is going to happen. And this is based on the free will that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you. This is before you're created. And what the outcome will be, and this is based on the free will that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you. Some will say, okay, but why do I... Why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, why is Allah going to put me in the hellfire if he knows that I'm going to disobey him? That's not down to Allah. That's down to you. 
Why? Because you chose it. Allah didn't force you. You understand? Allah gave you the free will. Allah showed you, okay, this is haq. This is batil. Okay, if you choose haq, you will go jannah. If you choose batil, you will go to the hellfire. Yeah? You understand this, yeah? So just because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wrote it, before you were created, does not necessitate that you were forced to do it. And just because Allah knows what is going to happen, does not necessitate that you are forced to do what you do. Number th- Allah. Yes. Okay, this is a good issue. He mentions, okay, what about, uh, some say Allah created our actions. Of course, Allah created us and Allah created our actions. Now, let me ask you something. When someone does an action, do you attribute that action to the one who created it or do you attribute it to the one who did it? The one who did it, right? Okay. Okay, now, let me give you an example. Let's say you made a robot or something. Now, you made a robot, you configured it with, um, what do they call it? AI? Artificial intelligence. Yeah? You configured it with AI. Now, it went out and it smashed the window. It smashing the window. Who smashed the window? You or, or the robot? The robot, right? Now the same goes for when it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creating our actions. Allah created these actions. But when the person does the action, the one who did the action is not attributed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The action is not attributed to Allah. It's attributed to the one who did it. Is that clear? Yeah? So yes, same with speech. The same with speech. If I said something to you and you transmit it to, to, to someone else, that would be understood that I said it, not the person who transmitted it. Okay? Now, let's move on to number three. Number three is Al Imanu Bil Mashi'a. We believe in the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, one thing you need to understand about the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a will. You have a free will as well. But your free will cannot go outside the bounds of the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah mentioned Liman Sha'a minkum ay yastaqim. Okay? So for those who want to be upright, then they can. And you cannot يعني, will for something to happen except for Allah except unless Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills for it to happen. So Allah knew everything that was going to happen. He wrote it down and he willed for it to happen. Okay? He willed for it to happen. Now what does what does it mean that your will can't go outside the bounds of the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This means that there are certain things you just can't do. You can't choose when you're born. You can't choose when you die. You can't choose when you have children. You understand? There's certain things that you just cannot do. Why? Because look, if your will went outside the bounds of the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what does that necessitate? Deficiency in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala You guys get that? Yeah? You understand that? Okay? I'll make it a little bit easier 
Let's say you have control over someone. Yeah? You give them free will. Yani, I won't say... I won't say control. Let's say you're looking after someone. Yeah? You're looking after this person. Why? Because you're in a higher position. You have more power than them. So you, give, you allow them to do what they want. But there are certain things that they're restricted from doing. You restrict them from doing. Okay? But they have freedom within that restricted space. Now, if that person has the ability to do whatever they want, they can override your restrictions, what does that mean about you? Your restrictions don't exist. You're weak. You shouldn't even be a person who should be overlooking this person. Understand? That's why our will can never go outside the bounds of the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alright? Because then that would necessitate that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is deficient. Okay? Now, we don't want to go into Al-Iradatul Kawniya or Al-Irad Shar'iya. We're going to maybe leave that for another time. Any ikhwa that have any issues, you can ask at the end. But we'll move on to the next one. Yeah? The next one is Al-Khalq. Okay? Allahu khaliqu kulli shay. Creation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created everything and brought everything into existence. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knew everything that was going to happen. Allah wrote it. Allah willed it for, for it to, to happen and created it for it to come into existence. These are the four pillars of Al-Iman bil Qadr. Belief in the divine decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, belief in the divine decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you've understood this properly, then you have understood it how the Sahaba radiallahu anhum understood it. Okay? If you deviate in any of these pillars, then you're not upon the tariqah of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. Now, another issue I'm going to mention about Qadr, and this will probably be the last issue about Qadr, is that Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu, he mentions that the Qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is sirrullah. It's the secret of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yani, there's certain things about the qadr of Allah you cannot comprehend. So, you should not try and delve or, or dive deep into the issues of qadr. Leave it how it is. Why? Because you're never going to find out why did this happen? How does this happen? If this happened, then why isn't this happening? You can never comprehend the yani, uh, and um, encompass the complete qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So always remember that. When it comes to the masail of qadr, stick to what you know, what you don't know, try and find out about. But the qadr, يعني, we've only been given little ilm. You have only been given from knowledge that which is very little. Okay, that which is very little. Wallah. Is it true that someone said uh, how to view that? Going into the, the of Qadr is a bit of, into the, yeah, of course, going into the kafiyah of Qadr, يعني, trying to delve deep into it, is, is not from the Sunnah. The Prophet didn't do it, neither did the Sahaba. Okay, and our religion, we stick to the Prophet, وسلم, we stick to the Sahaba. Okay, um, another issue when it comes to the, the ilm. And this issue is a bit of a current day issue, okay? Some people will say to you, it's, يعني, it's not necessarily related to Qadr, but it's related to uh, the ilm that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has bestowed us 
with. Some will say to you that the Quran goes against science. So the Quran is false. Okay? The Quran goes against science, so the Quran, Quran is false. Now let me tell you something. Science, yeah, uh, or most of science is conclusions based upon observations. Yeah? Now these observations, what are they? They are observations of things that are created. Created, right? Created. Now, do humans have knowledge of every single thing? Are there things that they don't know about? There is. Science, it's impossible for science to go against the Qur'an. And I'll tell you why. Why? Because there is a possibility that the conclusion you have reached can يعني, be false if the new knowledge comes about. And we're not talking about basic truths. We're not talking about one at two, one at one is two, two at two is four. Okay, because these are necessary truths. These are things nobody um, disputes. We're talking about things that are observed. Okay, and remember, observations are always limited. A human being can only observe a certain amount of things. The ability to observe things is not unlimited. It's limited. So by default, there's a possibility or that the conclusion you have, re- you have reached can possibly be false. Yeah? Always remember that you have only been given little from knowledge. The Quran is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is the all-knowledgeable. So it's impossible for you to go against the one that is all-knowledgeable. And the conclusion that you may have reached that may go against the Quran, we won't say the Quran goes against it. Why? Because you're making the standard of truth your conclusion. But the standard of truth is the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Always remember that. Okay? Always remember that. Now, let's move on to Al-Imanu bil yawm al-akhir. Yeah? About question relating to uh, When people ask the question and say, why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decree this to happen? Why do all of these bad things happen? The fact of them asking that question, is there a problem with them asking that question? Okay, now. Some people will say, why did Allah do this? Why is Allah allowing so much evil to happen in the world? Why is Allah doing this? What does Allah mention in the Quran? لا يسألوا عما يفعلوا وهم يسألون We don't ask why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does things. You are asked about why, why you do certain things. Okay? Now that's an easy way to get out of the question. But another way to answer it is you may see something Look, the reason why people are asking why is because they see it to be a bad thing. Okay? They see it to be a bad thing. Now, you may see something to be bad, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did it for a reason. And there is a hikmah, a wisdom. And there, is, there may be khair in it, but you may not be able to see it. Always remember that the af'al of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that everything Allah wills to happen is always attached to his wisdom. And he's the most perfect in his wisdom. Yeah, of course. Some they say this. This is why it's so important to learn aqidah. Yani how are you going to answer these questions if you negate that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, has hikmah, has wisdom? I'll give you a, 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 a clear example. Look at the story of Musa and Khadr alayhi salam. We all know the story of Musa and Khadr alayhi salam. Musa came. 
went with Khadr. Khadr ripped up the ship. Yeah? Musa said, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this? Musa saw it to be an evil thing. When in reality, it was a good thing. Khadr tells him at the end. When Khadr ended up killing that boy. When Khadr ended up building um, that wall. Yeah? Musa was thinking, why, yani, why are you doing these things? He perceived it in a different way. But in reality, it was khair. And the reason why he perceived it in a wrong way is because he didn't have knowledge of it. So you perceiving something happening and Allah willing for something to happen in a wrong way is because you don't have the knowledge of why it's happening. And if you don't have the knowledge of why it happened or why it's happening and you don't have access to it, leave it to Allah. You're Muslim, you believe in Allah, you know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-hakim and he wants khair for his creation and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most perfect in all forms, then leave it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? Now, let's move on to um, the next point, which is Al-Imanu Bil-Yawm Al-Akhir. Al-Imanu Bil-Yawm Al-Akhir, belief in the, in the hereafter, belief in the hereafter entails a few things. Number one, it entails belief in death. Okay? People might say, okay, of course we believe in death. Everybody believes in death. But belief in what is death? Death is not that you die and you become non-existent. And then on the day of judgment, you somehow reappear. No. Death is your soul leaving your body and entering the first stage of the stages of the hereafter, which is life in the grave. Okay? So it's your soul leaving this life, entering another life. Number two, it's belief in life in the grave. Okay? Now, I'm going to give you guys a principle about life in the grave. And remember this. Life in the grave cannot be... Uh, life in the grave cannot be compared to life in the dunya. And I'll tell you why this is so important. Okay? Why? Because life in the grave is completely different from life in the dunya. They will say that Prophet ﷺ is alive in his, in his grave, so I can ask him for things. I can make dua to him. Yeah? We'll say no. The hayat in the barzakh, the life in the barzakh, is completely different from the hayat of this dunya. So does, that does not apply. So you see how important this principle is? Okay? Remember that. Al hayatu fi dunya takhtalifu an al hayati fil barzakh. The hayat in this life is completely different from the hayat, the life in uh, the grave. It, inter- it entails also belief in the, the day of judgment, the affairs that will happen on the day of judgment. That's, I think that's number three. Um, number four is belief in Jannah and belief in the hellfire. Okay? And, and we can also add to it belief in the, the, the alamat of the day of judgment because it shows that the hereafter is coming coming close so let's translate uh, these lines of poetry that we have he says wala tunkiran jahlan nakiran wa munkara wala alhawda wal mizana innaka tunsahu wa qul yukhriju allahu alazimu bifadlihi min al-nari ajsadan min al-fahmi tutrahu ala nahri fil firdawsi tahya bimaihi kahabbi habili al-sayli idjaa yatfahu wa inna rasulallahi lilkhalqi shafi'un wa qul fil adhabi al-qabri haqun muwadhahu 
Okay. I think the next part is Iman. Okay. 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 He says, And do not deny jahlan, out of ignorance. Nakiran. Yani the angel Nakir. Wa and the angel Munkar. Walal Hawd. Or the, the pond, the Hawd. Okay? The pond that will be given to the Prophet. Walal Mizan. Or the scales. Innaka. Verily, Tunsahu. Verily, you are being advised. Okay. So now. Here he's talking about life in the grave. And he's saying, do not reject the questions in the grave. As we know, there, there are many ahadith, the hadith of, uh, there are many ahadith that talk about the questions a person will be asked in the grave. A person, or two angels will come to a person. They will sit this person up. They will ask him about the Prophet They will ask him about um, their religion They will ask him about Their belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Right Now If a person Does not answer these questions correctly Then they will be punished Now Every single believer Will answer these questions correctly Take that down Every single believer Will answer these Questions correctly As for the disbeliever The disbeliever will be Unable to answer these questions سَمِعْتُ النَّاسَ shay'an. فَقُلْتُ I heard people saying something, so I just said it. Some say, ha ha, la adri. I don't know. Now, the next point is um, that what you have to understand about the punishment of the grave is it's mentioned in the Qur'an. The evidence of it is mentioned in the Qur'an. أَنَّارُ يُعْرَضُونَ عَلَيْهَا غُدُوًا وَعَشِيًّا وَيَوْمَ تَقُومُ السَّاعَةُ أَدْخِلُ آلَ فِرْعَوْنَ أَشَدِّ الْعَذَابِ النَّارُ يُعْرَضُونَ عَلَيْهَا يعني فرعون and his followers, the disbelievers the fire, they are being punished in the fire day and night and when the hour is established they will be thrown into the most painful punishment so what does that show? that shows that they are being punished right now in their graves because the day of judgment, judgment has not been established yet Understand? So this is an evidence that shows that the punishment of the grave exists. Another point is the punishment of the grave is a purification process for a believer. Understand that? Okay? Yani, even death can be a purification process. The Prophet ﷺ said, Inna lil mauti sakarat. A very mot, yani, death. It has pain. Yani there is pain in death. So that can be a purification process where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala removes your sins that way. The punishment in the grave is also a purification process. On the day of judgment, you may be thrown into the hellfire and that is also a purification process. Yani it's purif- purifying you from, from the sins. Um, as for the angels, this is another point, the angels being named Munkar and Nakir, then this hadith narrated by Imam Tirmidhi, Shaykh Albani, has uh, authenticated it, has seen it to be authentic. Now, the next, the next mas'ala is uh, the mas'ala of Al-Hawd. What is Al-Hawd? Al-Hawd, طوله شهر وعرضه شهر وماؤه أحلى من العسل. 
that it's a large, large pond. Okay? The length of it is a month. Yani in terms of getting from one side to the other. It's, it'll take you about a length, uh, about a month. Okay? And from once the yani and from the other side to the other side will take you another month. So it's really, really big. That it's, it tastes sweeter than, than honey And it's whiter than misk And the person who uh, Whiter than milk, not misk Whiter than milk Okay The person who drinks from it The person who drinks from it Will never ever become thirsty after it Now there will be people That will be turned back from The hole and who are those people? Those are those who ارتدوا بعد إيمانهم وبعد إسلامهم Those that turn back on their heels Who uh, left the religion Apostated After they um, After they became believers إنك لا تدري ما أحدثوا بعدك will ask Why are these people being turned away? I thought that these people are believers It will be said You do not know what they did after you And he, some of the, uh, the Shurrah mentioned that these people can be considered to be uh, disbelievers. Now, the next issue is. Allah, 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 I'm gonna have to attack Yeah. Now, the next one is al mizan. The mizan is the scale. Now, the mizan. Yeah. Is that a good indication that you're going not 100% or is that 100%? Okay. Um, no, that's an indication that you'll be from the people of Jannah. Yani he's mentioning the hadith of where a person will enter Jannah. Right? فَيُفْتَحُ لَهُ بَابٌ بَابٌ إِلَى الْجَنَّةِ A door will be opened for that person into Jannah. That's an indication that you'll be from the people of Jannah. Why is that? Because look, a believer, his last place is where? If a person believe, dies upon Tawheed, it's Jannah, right? The only reason why you go through the punishment is to purify you, to make you from the people of Jannah. So, if you have not been punished in the grave, what will make you be punished in the hellfire? Why? Because the punishment in the hellfire is purifying you from being punished in... I mean, the punishment in the grave is purifying you from being punished in the hellfire. Understand that? Okay. Now, the mizan. The mizan is the scales. The scales where um, your deeds will be, be weighed. Allah mentioned that we will put down the mizan. Yani injustice on the day of judgment. Nobody on that day will be oppressed. Nobody on that day will be oppressed. Now what are the things that are going to be weighed? Take this down. The ulama rahimahumullah, they mention that three things are going to be weighed. Number one, the actions of a person. Rasulullah said, Karimatani, Khafifatani, Ala Lisan, Taqilatani, Tilmizan, Habibatani, Ila Rahman, Subhanallah Bihamdihi, Subhanallah al Abim. Two words that are light upon the tongue, heavy upon the scales. Beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
يعني pay attention be heavy upon the scales so that يعني the action is being weighed. Beloved to Allah subhanahu wa taala, subhanallah bihamdihi, subhanallah aladim. These two words, very light on the tongue but very heavy on the scales and very beloved to Allah. Number two is the scrolls themselves. Okay, we've come across the famous hadith of the man who had 99 scrolls and they were full of sins and he had the bitaqa, right? Where it had la ilaha illallah on it and he placed it on the weighing scale and it outweighed all of the, the sins. So the scrolls will also be weighed. Number three is, some of say the person himself, yani the person um, himself will be weighed. Will, will be weighed. Why? Because uh, Ibn Mas'ud anhu, his legs were uncovered. And the Sahaba radiallahu anhu, some of them laughed at his legs because of how thin they were. Um, and the Prophet said that they are athqalu fil mizani min jabali uhud. Or kama qala sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That they are heavier on the scales than the mountain of Uhud. So some ulama say that a person will also be weighed on the Day of Judgment. So those are the three things that some of the scholars say will be weighed on the Day of Judgment. When you see that weighing of the person, is it the actual body weight or is it due to the virtue of their fadl? No, their fadl, their, their fadl plays a big part. Why? Because Ibn Mas'ud was a thin man. But yet his legs will be heavy because of how because of his fadl and how much khayr he did. Okay. Now, uh, the next one, the next lines are وَقُلْ يُخْرِجُ اللَّهُ الْعَظِيمُ بِفَضْلِهِ مِنَ النَّارِ أَجَسَادًا مِنَ الْفَحْمِ تُطْرَحُ عَلَى النَّهْرِ فِي الْفِدَّوْسِ تَحْيَا بِمَائِهِ كَحَبِّ حَبِيلِ سَحَمِيلِ السَّيْلِ إِذْ جَاءَ يَطْفَحُ And say, يُخْرِجُ اللَّهُ الْعَظِيمُ يُخْرِجُ will be taken out. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take out. Yeah? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take out Allah Al-Azim, Allah the Greatest, will take out Bifadrihi by His virtue. Okay, by His virtue. Remember that. Minan Nari, from the hellfire, Ajsadan, bodies. Minal Fahmi, yani from the grilling of the fire. Tutrahu, they will be thrown. Alan Nahri, upon a river. Fil Firdausi, yani from Firdaus. Why? Because the Prophet ﷺ, he said, Ida Sa'altum Allah Al-Jannah. فاسألوه الفردوس فإنها أعلى الجنة فإنها أوسط الجنة وأعلى الجنة وإن وتفجر منه منها الأنهار. That if you ask Allah سبحانه وتعالى from the for Jannah, ask Allah for Jannah to the Firdaus. It's the highest level of Jannah. It's the middle of Jannah. From it, the rivers of Jannah gush forth. Okay. So a person will be thrown into, and this person will be taken from the hellfire after being burnt. Thrown into the into the rivers of Jannah, and will come into the animal will live and come into existence, a brand new person, because of the water of Jannah. The same way when you have water gushing down a river, and it carries seeds, and it throws the seeds onto the banks of the river, and from because of the water of the river, these seeds start to grow. So a person will come out. A completely different person, and it will enter Jannah in that form. And this hadith that talks about it is mentioned in Bukhari and Bukhari and Muslim. وَإِنَّ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ and verily the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم لِلْخَلْقِ 
to the creation, Shafi'un, is an intercessor. وَقُلْ فِي الْعَذَابِ الْقَبْرِ And say that the punishment of the, of the, of the grave is haqq, is truth. مُوَضَّحُ That says being clarified. Yani it's being clarified in the Qur'an, clarified in the sunnah of the Prophet So, this is the mas'ala of al-shafa'a. Now, what is al-shafa'a? Al-shafa'a is intercession. It's التَّوَسُّطُ لِلْغَيْرِ بِجَلْبِ مَنْفَعَةٍ لَهُ أَدَفْعِ مَضَرَّةٍ عَنْهُ it's where you intercede for someone on their behalf Where you're trying to bring khair to that person Or take away harm from that person Okay, so I'll give you an example Let's say some of you guys want to get into Medina Study there, yeah Let's say you put in your application But you know one of the teachers there And, the, and you ask the, t- the teacher to do shafa'a for you Um to, uh, uh, to the person who accepts students Okay So this person He goes to the admissions He speaks to them Says I know this guy Good guy Yeah hard working Wants to study Blah 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 You know So this person Is doing shafa'a for you You understand Right So he's bringing you khair Or the opposite Where he can be um, Stopping harm from coming down upon you Yeah Maybe you're going to be punished And he speaks to the person Who's going to punish you And he says don't punish him Don't worry I'll try and sort it out You know This is what shafa'a is So Shafa'a Is haqqun lillahi ta'ala No one can just come and intercede Qul lillahi shafa'atu jami'a Say that all shafa'a Is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah is the only one Who can um, Give permission to anybody To intercede No one can just come and intercede, okay? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only one who gives uh, permission. Now, shafa'a has two conditions. Shafa'a has two conditions. Number one, the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah has to give that person permission. Number two, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has to be pleased with that person. Allah mentions, la shafa'atu. The day that shafa'a, intercession, will not benefit. إِلَّا مَنْ أَذِنَ لَهُ الرَّحْمَنُ Except for the person who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given إِذِن Has given permission وَرَضِيَ لَهُ قَوْلًا And is pleased with that person So number one, Allah has to give that person permission Number two, Allah has to be pleased with that person Okay Now let's talk about some of the types of shafa'a Shafa'a, there's many there's, I won't say many, many different types But there are quite a few different types of shafa'a the first shafa'a is a shafa'atul uzma or shafa'atul kubra, right? A shafa'atul uzma will say the great intercession, the great shafa'a, where the people they will come to the prophets and they will say nafsi nafsi, go to that prophet. That prophet will say go to this one until they come to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam will intercede on behalf of his ummah. He will go to the arsh of Allah subhanahu wa taala, the throne of Allah, and he will make sujood. He will prostrate. And he will praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with praises that he has never praised Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala before. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say to me, Irfa ra'saka wa qul yushfa' wa sal tu'ta wa shfa' tushaffa'. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say to him, raise your head, do shafa'a, ask and you will be given. And he will do shafa'a on behalf of his ummah. Now, number two is the shafa'a of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the intercession of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam for his uncle Abu Talib. 
right? We know Abu Talib, how much he helped the Muslims in the early stages. But unfortunately, he died upon disbelief. Prophet ﷺ on his deathbed said to him, قُلْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ Say لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ A word that I can use as an evidence when, it come, when I speak to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What did he die upon? He said, أَنَا عَلَى مِلَّةِ عَبْدِ الْمُطَّلِبِ I am upon the millah, the religion of Abdul Muttalib, which is shirk. He died upon shirk even though he knew the Prophet ﷺ was a prophet and a messenger sent by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the Qur'an was the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the Prophet ﷺ will intercede on his behalf for his punishment to, to be less than what it would generally be. Okay? Why? Because look, a person who knows the truth and disbelieves, yeah, is worse than a person who rejects the truth without even knowing that it's the truth. You understand? Right? Because a person knows that this is the truth, but yet they still don't want to believe. As for a person who just rejects it without even looking into it, the first one is worse than him. Okay? Now, um, another type of shafa'a is the shafa'a where the Prophet will intercede so his ummah can enter Jannah. And he will come to the gates of Jannah and the angels will say that they have been commanded to not open the door of Jannah for anyone except for the Prophet So that's what, a third type, right? Um, another type is, well, this is the last one mentioned, and you will come across other ones in many different ahadith, is the shafa'a where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take out usat al-muwahideen min al-nar. The muwahideen, the people of tawheed, that had entered the hellfire, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take them out of it and enter them into, into Jannah. So Allah, the Prophet will, will intercede on behalf of, of those that have entered the hellfire for them to be taken out of it. Okay, these are some of the different types of, of, of shafa'a. But what you need to remember is that the conditions we mentioned, shafa'a is kulluha lillahi ta'ala, the shafa'a is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, and these are some of the different types. And the shafa'a is going to happen on the Day of Judgment. Now let's move on to. Oh. Someone also say, um, I look for shafa'a and this one through the Prophet because he asked for it, so it's in his hands. Okay. No, it's not in his hands. He doesn't own it. He has been given permission. Understand that? So, what was the wisdom and hikmah behind Allah giving him? Permission. Yeah. Yani the, the wisdom behind it is him so he can. Because look, there's a difference between owning it and giving, being given permission. Owning it means you can give shafa'a anytime you يعني, shafa'a. It's, it's up to you. But when you have been given permission to do it on behalf of the ummah, right? You don't have the ability to say who can give shafa'a, who can't give shafa'a. Understand? Yeah? Now, if a person says, I want the shafa'a of the Prophet وسلم, then we say to them, okay, do what the Prophet commanded you to do, and you will end, you will attain your shafa'a. The Prophet he said, Whoever hears the nida, the adhan, says what the mu'adhan says. And he mentions the dua to the end of it. That person will attain my shafa'a on the day of judgment. So this is how you attain the shafa'a of the Prophet. You don't go to the grave and make dua to the Prophet because dua to other than Allah is shirk. Understand? Yeah? Okay. Now, 
Let's move on to um, issues related to Iman. And this will be, I think, uh, the second. We've only got two parts left, inshallah ta'ala. Yeah, two parts. So we've got two, this part and the last part. Now, the Nadim, he says, Do not make takfir of the people, the people who pray, and even if they are disobedient. فَكُلُّهُمْ فَفَرَلِي all of them يَعْسِي يعني everybody sins وَذُو الْعَرْشِ يعني Allah سبحانه وتعالى يَصْفَحُ forgives Allah سبحانه وتعالى forgives وَلَا تَعْتَقِدْ and do not believe رأي الخوارج the belief of the خوارج يعني that the person who commits sins will be in the hellfire forever إنه verily it is مقال it is a statement لِمَنْ يَهْوَاهُ يُرْدِي وَيَفْضَحُ يعني It's a statement for a person that follows their desires. Right? وَلَا تَكُمْ مُرْجِيًّا And do not be a person who is a murji. يعني who believes that actions are not from iman. لَعُوبًا بِدِينِهِ Who plays around with their religion. أَلَا إِنَّمَا الْمُرْجِيُّ بِالدِّينِ يَمْزَحُ Verily, the person who is a murji, he plays around with his, his religion. Now we're going to put these abiyat together يعني, so we can tackle the issue of iman at once. وَقُلْ إِنَّمَا الْإِيمَانُ And say very iman is قَوْلٌ It's a statement. وَنِيَّةٌ And an intention. يعني, he's, related, he's talking about the الاعتقاد intent, um, Belief, right? In the heart. وَفِعْلٌ And an action. عَلَى قَوْلِ النَّبِيِّ Upon the, the statement the Prophet مُسَرَّحُ It was clarified by the Prophet وَيَنْقُصُ طَوْرًا Sometimes it drops بِالْمَعَاصِي Because of sins وَتَارَةً And sometimes بِطَاعَتِهِ By the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala يَنْمِي It grows يعني increases وَفِي الْوَزْنِ يَرْجَحُ And it makes the scale heavier Okay So now Here we're going to talk about Iman What are the issues with Iman? Okay We're going to put these abiyat together and we're going to start from the abiyat below it before the ones we go to this one. Why? Because before we talk about what the aqidah of the different firaq are, the different madahib in, uh, um, or the different different groups are when it comes to iman, we want to we won't need to understand what iman is. What is the aqidah of Ahl-Sunnah when it comes to iman? Okay? So, iman is in the Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah qawlun. Right? It's a statement on the tongue. Wa'tiqadun. It's a belief in the heart. It's an action that's done by the limbs. It increases with obedience. And it decreases by disobedience. So let's break this down. Al-Iman is qawlun wa'amalun wal-i'tiqad. Okay, pay attention to this hadith. Prophet ﷺ, he said, Al-Imanu bid'un wa sab'una shu'ba. Iman is 70 odd parts. Pay attention, parts. It's not one, it's parts. فَأَعْلَاهَا The highest part is قَوْلُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَى اللَّهِ It's the statement of لَا إِلَهَ إِلَى اللَّهِ So we take from this, Iman is قَوْل Iman is a statement. وَأَدْنَاهَا And the lowest part is إِمَاطَةُ الْأَذَى عَنِ الطَّرِيقِ Is to move harm from the path. So we can take from this, Iman is actually an action because removing harm from the path is an action. وَالْحَيَاءُ شُعْبَةٌ مِنَ الْإِيمَانِ And Haya, which is an action of the heart, is a shu'bah from Iman. It's a part from the parts of Iman. It's a branches, it's a branch from the branches of Iman. Okay? Prophet said, Man qala la ilaha illallah, 
خالصاً من قلب نو ده رسول الله عليه وسلم أصد من أسعد الناس بشفاعتك يوم القيامة who is the happiest person with your shafa'a on the day of judgment رسول الله عليه وسلم said من قال لا إله إلا الله خالصاً من قلبه the person who says لا إله إلا الله sincerely from the heart so we can see that belief in the heart is from iman okay so these two ahadith we can take from iman is a statement a action and a belief okay yazidu bi ta'a it increases with ta'a okay allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yani it actually increases allah mentioned in the quran innama al-mu'minun alladhina idha dhukira allah wajilat qulubuhum that when they the believers are verily those when they hear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's name they fear they feel fear in the heart right وَإِذَا تُلِيَتْ عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتُهُ or when the verses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are recited to the believer زَادَتْهُمْ إِيمَانًا it increases the believer in iman so this shows that iman increases now if iman increases then it necessitates that it also decreases okay I'll give you an example the Prophet ﷺ said, لا يزني الزاني حين يزني وهو مؤمن That a person, when they're, when they're committing zina, a believer does not commit zina, when they're committing, يعني a person is not considered to be a mu'min when they are committing zina. يعني they are not at the highest level of iman. Why? Because committing zina is not an act of disbelief. It's not an act of disbelief. Committing zina is not kufr. Committing zina is a sin. Okay? So, this shows that if a person commits zina, they have يعني, gone down from the daraja of al-mu'min. يعني, they've gone down. It shows that their iman has also increased. I mean, decreased. Okay? It shows that their iman has decreased. So, that is what iman is. Now, let's move on to this issue of the, the murji'ah and the khawarij. The khawarij and the murji'ah they have two different issues. But their issue goes back to the same thing. Okay, I want to get to this. The Khawarij, they say that a person who commits a sin will be in the hellfire forever. Okay? The Murji'ah, they say that actions are not from Iman. So if a person commits a sin, it doesn't, it doesn't affect their Iman. The Iman of a person today and the Iman of Abu Bakr and the, and the prophets and messengers is the same. Right? But what is the thing that links them together? Yani why did both of them fall into this mistake? Okay, but what is that misunderstanding? It doesn't change. Okay, you're close, but yani there's something else. It doesn't go up and down. Yeah, but why do they say it doesn't go up and down? No. Okay. Anyone else? I'll tell you why. Both of them believe that Iman is, is Shayun Wahid, is one thing. That if a part of it goes, then all of it goes. So, what did the Khawarij do? The Khawarij said, okay, Iman is all one. If a part of Iman goes, all of it is gone, which means that person is a disbeliever. And sins, when a person commits a sin, their iman decreases, right? So if it decreases, then because it's all one thing, 
it completely disappears. So they said what? If a person commits a sin, a person is a disbeliever. Parts, exactly. What did the murji'ah do? They went on the other end. They said, look, Iman is one thing. So if a person commits a sin, that means that they leave Islam. So that, يعني, so it's impossible. But how does that work if we have other nusus saying that a person doesn't leave Islam? Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to say actions are not from Iman. So now, if a person does an action, it doesn't affect their iman. So we've solved this problem. You see, you see, they both يعني, had the same issue, but their conclusions were, um, were different. But what do we say? Ahl Sunnah say that iman is parts. Like the Prophet said, Al imanu bid'un wa sab'un shu'bah. Iman is 70 odd parts. So if some of it goes, يعني, if some of it decreases, the rest is still there. And the ulama, they give an example of this. Say I gave you 10 pens. Yeah? Say I took three from you. How many pens do you have left? Seven pens, right? Just because I took those three from you, doesn't mean you don't have any pens left. It's the same with iman. Just because your iman has decreased, doesn't mean it's non-existent. Okay, so always remember that. Iman is parts. Okay, it's not one whole thing. Alright? Um... This is an evidence against the khawarij and we'll end it with يعني, the muscle of iman with this issue. The khawarij say that if a person falls into sin that they become a disbeliever. But we'll show you that not all, يعني, just because a person falls into major sin, not kufr or shirk, major kufr or major shirk, that person doesn't become a disbeliever. Prophet ﷺ, what did he say? He said, muslimi wa kufr. Cursing the believer is fisq, disobedience. Fighting him is kufr. Disbelief. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, وَإِن طَائِفَتَانِي مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ قَدْ تَتَلُوا What did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say here? If two believers, if two groups of believers fight each other. Right? Pay attention. What did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala call them? Believers. What are they doing? They're fighting each other. What's the ruling of fighting each other? Kufr. Which shows it's kufr. Asghar, minor kufr. Shows it's a sin. Doesn't show that it's a, it's major kufr. So just because kufr comes in some of the nusus of the sharia, the Quran or the sunnah, does not always necessitate that it's major kufr. Okay? Like we mentioned before, when you're understanding the Quran and the sunnah, make sure you bring together all of the verses and all of the hadith that relate to each other. And you apply the understanding of the sahaba. Because if a person just picked things from here and there, they could make up their own religion and come with something completely different to what the Prophet ﷺ taught the Sahaba radiallahu anhu. Okay? Now, let's move on to uh, the next issue, which is... And this is this will be the last issue, inshaAllah ta'ala. He says, so Ibn Abi Dawood ends it with this and he says and leave off the opinions of men 
وقولهم and their statements فقول رسول الله the statement of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم is more pure وأشرح is more comforting to the chest right يعني and all of us experience this when we hear the ahadith of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم and you may pick up on this a lot more when you have more ta'amul with the ahadith of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم that when someone says a hadith and someone is just speaking Arabic you pick up on it instantly and even with the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and this may even apply even if you haven't memorized the Quran or memorized this hadith you can just tell by the uslub and the way the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa is speaking and the way that the Quran is being said you can tell that this is not just general speech this is wahi, this is revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala وَلَا تَكُوا and don't be from مِنْ قَوْمٍ a people تَلَهَّوا بِدِينِهِمْ يعني have taken their deen as a joke and play around with their religion فَتَطْعَنَا so they they um, insult في أهل الحديث they insult the people of hadith وَتَقْدَحُوا and they degrade them so here he's mentioning that when it comes to these opinions of men and their statements and they go against the aqwal of the Prophet sallallahu then they la yazilu that they have no weight with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the statements of the Prophet sallallahu are always given precedence you understand that the statements of the, of the Prophet sallallahu the verses of the Quran the understanding of the sahaba radiyallahu anhum so ibn umr radiyallahu anhu he would say إياكم أصحاب الرأي فإنهم أعيت فإنهم فأعيتهم الأحاديث أن يحفظوها فأعملوا عقولهم عمر رضي الله عنه he was narrated that he said be aware of the people of رأي يعني those that just use their own intellect and opinions and not look at the Quran and the Sunnah يعني memorizing a hadith is too difficult for them so they just start they they started to use their their intellect now when it comes to using your intellect and the nusus of the sharia those are not two things that contradict each other there's many adilla, uh, uh, adilla that are considered to be adillatun aqliya evidences logical evidences in the quran and in the sunnah when you study fiqh when you study usul when you study many many of the ulum of the sharia you have to use your intellect if you look at the ulama of the past a lot of them they were considered to be geniuses. Yani, their intellect was, they had a really high level of intellect. So your intellect is not necessarily a bad thing. It depends on how you use it. Because look, al-aql al-sarih, your aql that has not been polluted, shall we say, Okay, an aql that has not been polluted, an intellect that has not been polluted, does not go against the, the, the clear evidences of the nusus of the Quran and the Sunnah. It's impossible. There's no contradiction in the Quran and the Sunnah. It doesn't go against the clear intellect. So using your intellect is not necessarily a bad thing, but it's if you use it in a way that goes against the Quran and the Sunnah. So people they will talk about the ulama of kalam, yeah. But the ulama of kalam. They didn't necessarily use adilla aqliya. They didn't use logical evidences to understand the Quran and the Sunnah. They used philosophical evidences, right, 
from Greek philosophy that they considered to be logical evidences, that they themselves gave يعني, specific words in the Arabic language, they gave it its own terminology. And then they understood the Quran and the Sunnah in accordance to that terminology. Okay, I'll give you an example. Kalimat at ta'wil Yeah? At ta'wil عند أهل الكلام وعند المتأخرين is صرف اللفظ عن ظاهره. Ta'wil is where you have a apparent word, an apparent meaning, but you don't understand the apparent meaning, you go towards another meaning. Okay? You go towards another meaning. But in the Quran, what does ta'wil mean? Ta'wil mean? Are they waiting for its ta'wil? Does it mean this, this, this ibarah, this thing that, um, this statement that the mutakallimun have mentioned? It doesn't mean that. It means ta'wil can either mean, if you look at the, the mufassirun, the past, it can either mean tafsir, or it can mean wuqu'u shay. The thing, or haqiqatuhu. The haqiqat, the reality of something, or something coming into, uh, يعني, happening. What did the Prophet ﷺ, what did Aisha radiallahu anha say about the Prophet ﷺ? About him and the Quran. Right? That he used to do ta'wil of it. Yani kayf. Well, he used to change the meanings of it. No, he would act upon it. He would act upon the Quran. Understand? So, when it comes to understanding the, the Quran and the Sunnah, understanding understand it in accordance to its original meaning and its original, the original language. Don't come with new definitions that you have brought from Greek philosophy, right? And you've applied to Arabic words and then try and apply that to the names, the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Quran and the Sunnah. And he says, وَلَا تَكُوا And don't be from those that play with their religion and insult the people of Hadith. Now when I say the people, Ahlul Hadith, am I saying Ahlul Hadith, يعني, a person who has no madhab? No, Ahl Hadith means the people who follow Hadith. People who follow Hadith. A person can be Shafi'i, Hanafi, Maliki, Hanbali. A person can still be from Ahl Hadith. Yani, what's the issue? Ahl Hadith is the one that follows the Hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And Ahl Hadith are those that have a specific virtue. Right? The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said, لا تزال طائفة من أمتي على الحق ظاهرين That they will always be a group from a group from my ummah upon the truth that are apparent, and a lot of the salaf, a lot of the previous, the, the early scholars, such as Imam Ahmed and Abdullah bin Mubarak, they would say that this is this is Ahl Hadith. Some would say, if this is Ahl Hadith, I don't know who they are. Okay, because the people of Hadith are those that follow the Prophet sallallahu in accordance to the understanding of the Sahaba So if you're insulting them because of that then you're insulting them for following the Prophet sallallahu So you are the one who is foolish, not the one who is following the Prophet sallallahu And he ends it with, إِذَا مَعْتَقَدْتَ الدَّهْرَ يَا صَاحِ هَذِهِ فَأَنْتَ عَلَىٰ خَيْرٍ تُبِيتُ وَتُسْبِحُوا If you believe, if this is your aqeedah, day and night, then you are upon khair. تُبِيتُ تَبِيتُ وَتُسْبِحُوا Whether you're at night and in the day. So a person who has this aqeedah, the aqeedah of Ahl sunnati wal jama'ah, the aqeedah of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, that, should, that which the, the Sahaba, the Prophet sallallahu taught them is upon the correct path and will be from those who are the people of Jannah. Now, I will end it with this. 
What we've studied today, a lot of it seems like it's theory. But when we study Aqeedah, we don't study Aqeedah just for the theory of it. We study Aqeedah for the practical aspect of it. This is the reason why we do Talab al-Ilm. We do it to act upon what we learn. The Salaf, they would say, We used to, يعني, a thing that would help us memorize the hadith that we memorize properly is if we acted upon it. If we acted upon it. So when it comes to these issues that we're, uh, we're learning, it should be getting us closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It should be teaching us about the reality of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That Allah is nothing like His creation. That He is the most perfect in all aspects. Show us يعني, the vastness of His mercy and His knowledge and His, and his uh, seeing and His hearing and all of His abilities subhanahu wa ta'ala. That Allah is able to do anything and everything. And how do I apply that in my life? That I try my best to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I stay away from the punishment of Allah. I stay away from things that will make me feel like I'm safe from the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I stay away from things that will make me ghafil an subhanahu wa ta'ala. Heedless. Any issue that comes up, I will turn back to my Lord. Why? Because I know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a sami' al-basir, al-alim. Allah comes down the last part of the night, every single night. He will answer my dua. He will forgive me if I ask for forgiveness. He will give me anything I ask for him. I ask from him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this should be driving you towards getting closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala an yanfa'ana bima allamana. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us barakah in this life and the hereafter. Make us from the people for Jannah. Subhanakallah bihamdik. Shadda wa la ilaha 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 il